Hello, I'm Paul. I'm Adam. And I'm Ben. And welcome to our third year anniversary episode of Film Busters. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, it has been three years. It's we never three... shout ourselves out for no, our anniversaries. I, I, I thought well, we're a bit late that. for it, aren't we? I think it's it's nice to have a staple of every, of every year. Yeah, I think this is a good year to do it. It's a good time, and it's our twenty our best year of three weeks. Best of twenty twenty. It's a nice little round off of the of the year and and our podcasting love. I'm amazed we haven't been cancelled yet by the producers. I know. Tell me about it. They might have you have you guys ever met with the producers? I only get their emails. I've never seen them face to face. I've heard rumours of them. I've heard their shadows lurking around the background, but I've never actually seen them. Greedy, greedy media they are. Don't trust yes. them. We never let them change the format of our podcast. Never. We 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 made all the changes. We got rid of the news. <laughs> it was our choice. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't Carl We Dugan are our own producers. <laughs> anyway, t- so uh, we're in a weird period because anyone who's listening to this now, it's Christmas is in the past, but we're recording this. We're the ghost awkward. of Christmas past because we we are pre-Christmas recording at the moment. Mm. We were Our listeners are the ghosts of Christmas future. Wow. Here's Tiny Tim over here singing. Yep, Tiny Tim singing Cliff Richard is fine. <laughs> <laughs> so come on, tell me your stories. What's going on? So I had a lovely Christmas in the future. Yeah. Um, I... I just sat at home, you know, just home homebound and opened some Homeward presents. Homeward bound, had some, some HelloFresh turkey, which we're doing. You're getting HelloFresh to do your Christmas dinner? Yeah. Wow. Well, they send you the whole box of everything. We make it, obviously. It's not it's not pre-cooked. Paul is such a lazy cook. He gets every single ingredient delivered to him, and then he doesn't want to put any thought into it. You send me the ingredients, and then I'll cook it. Lazy boy. I had a HelloFresh last week, Paul, when I was being isolated. Because it was very handy. I do like them every so often, but only when you've got the voucher codes, because they're very expensive otherwise. Me and Zoe love a bit of HelloFresh. This is not a promo for HelloFresh. Have they given us money <laughs> to talk be. about their business well, on here? Well, I hope so. Well, they could I've do. A, this could I've be a starting. 50% off and then a 35% off from my next free orders. DM them afterwards and say, if you yes. will continue to send us Let's Christmas turkeys every month, we'll do it. <laughs> Christmas turkeys. Are you, doing your own, are you doing your own one? Yeah, I rushed out and bought a turkey crown an hour before Boris made his announcement. And I got everything that I could get. I got the cranberry sauce. I got the bread sauce. I got the sprouts, the parsnips, the carrots. Potatoes. The potatoes are, are there. We got the potatoes. We got the Christmas pud, but we also got the chocolate pud. We got the Terry's chocolate orange, and we got the Toblerone. Well, we got the Franks in blankets. Alcohol. We got the wine. We got the beers. We got the Prosecco. We got the Bucks Fizz. We got it all, baby. Did you get Brussels? Yeah, of course. I love a bit of Brussels right, at Christmas tell me this. time. You've got a Christmas dinner right in front of you now, but you can only pick three items from it. Which three items are you picking? The Yorkshire puddings, the turkey, and uh, a little bit of cranberry sauce to make it all wet. See, I pick the turkey, the roast potatoes, and then the gravy. Gravy over cranberry sauce, okay. Oh, much gravy. Gravy is key. Potatoes and gravy are key to every roast. A Yorkie can swap in for the potato, though, I'm telling you. Pardon? The a Yorkie, a Yorkshire pudding nah. can swap in. I'm more of a potato man when they're crispy on the outside, all fluffy in the middle. I agree with that, yeah. Use a bit of duck fat to get that going mm. on. What's Paul roast having? potato is the best. What three items for Paul? I would say roast potatoes, Yorkshire puddings and stuffing. So no meat? Nah, don't, I'll just put the stuffing in the Yorkshire pudding. Ooh. And then shove the potato on top, mash it down. You are having a carb-heavy Christmas. <laughs> 
I love the carbs. That poor turkey, it died for you to eat it for Christmas dinner, and then you just let it sit there while you eat the carbs. Turkey, turkey's a bit overrated, isn't it? It's not. Um, I, we eat turkey all year depends. through. It's how you cook it. It is how you cook it. They used to be dry, but my mum in the recent years has perfected it a bit more, and it's now very good. Nice and moist birds. We like a moist bird on this Bigging podcast. Picking up, up your oh, hands that's there, disgusting. Well You're banned from 10 minutes from talking. All right. Now let's do the quiz. Let's see how that goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's just say before we before we go on to the quiz, today we are doing our wrap-up of 2020. We're talking about all our best films of 2020. We're going to wrap it films up Films like from presents. 2020 and first-time watches from 2020. So it's going to be very fun. Do you want to say 2020 anymore? 2020. 2020. We've got 2020 vision when we're looking back at this year and all oh, the films we've Hopefully we'll get 2,020 listeners. Well, that would be nice and fucking unbelievable at the same time. <laughs> the beauty of this section, I always look forward to this episode, even months in advance, because we get to talk about films that we haven't spoken about on the podcast. We just get to talk yes. about our catch-ups. We're just shooting it's the nice. shit. Just shooting the shit. Beautiful. Should we go on to the Should quiz? Them? Should we go to yes. the quiz? Okay, so... Ben gave up his crown last episode to me. His turkey crown. I am going to be the host <laughs> Very good. of next year. Well done, Adam. Um, I'm going to be the host of next year. So because I'm so far ahead at the moment, we decided that I will take the reins for the last question round, last question round of this year. And there's going to be three questions. And Adam has to answer all three questions to become second place in the quiz this year. Yeah. And what we've never mentioned is that our quiz gives us the opportunity to change any ratings we want to at the end of the year. And it gives us little little bonus points so we get the... How would you put it? If you win the quiz, you get to choose... You get to change a score from a, from a film that we reviewed that year, which affects our overall leaderboards. But also, coming first place in the quiz, you get like two films to change and second place gives you one film to change and stuff like that. All you need to know is Paul has the most amount of scores yes. that he's allowed to change. And that, we'll be doing that at the end of the podcast. Because that's just for It'll our be very fun. Confusing that's for all you for all. our fun. It's nothing really that anyone really cares about. <laughs> yes, but it's nice. It's still nice. Yes, it's all very lovely. So anyway. And stick around if you want to hear if Avengers is going to fall out of that top 20. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> okay, so, Adam, you are two points. You are two points away from levelling Ben. Paul, can you clarify, is these questions just aimed at Adam and it's whether he gets them right or not? Listen, I will tell you what questions they are, okay? Give me a chance. The host is speaking. Yes. So, you have to answer all three of these questions correctly to get in the lead and become second place this year. So, the questions, I have three questions. They're all to do with something we did this year, some films we spoke about this year, and they're all... To do with you, Adam, as well. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Excuse me, who can now. answer the questions? Everyone. Both of you can answer the questions. Okay. Right? But it's it's leaning towards Adam just so he has a little bit more advantage, but it won't have he won't have that. You've only got to get one out of the three. You so all both. three of these questions are films that Adam did a plot description of. And oh, I will God. read out the plot description and you have to tell me which film they are, but the thing about oh, this wow. quiz, you have you can answer as many times as you want, but as soon as you answer wrong, the other person gets to answer. And if that person doesn't get it right, then I'll carry on with the plot description. Like tennis. Okay? All right. Are you ready for the first one? Yes. 
Here we go. Well, thankfully, on this occasion, the director already did a plot summary for me before the film. In some ways, um, apparently this film is representative of Serbian life. Serbian film? Oh, well done, Adam! <laughs> How could, you couldn't make that any more obvious when you said the Serbian life Fucking bit. Fucking hell! I almost, like, I almost panicked and didn't say it. I was like, okay. Well, oh, up, shit. well done, Adam. Well done. You're one up. So at the moment, Adam's on 22 and you're on 23, Ben. Okay. Okay, here we this go. This is the next tantalizing. One. Um, it's about, I don't know, there's not terribly a lot of plot for this film. It's more of a situation than a plot. It <laughs> takes place around a cigar shop in Brooklyn. Um, in the oh, 90s. Smoke, smoke. Oh, Adam, you got it first. <laughs> Oh, oh my God! You're level. using my words against me now. You you, are every level. time we tie, he's going to give it to <laughs> I you. I couldn't remember the name of the film at first. <laughs> I oh. remember it as soon as you started saying there's not much plot to this film. I was like, shit, I know that one. <laughs> then you said the cigar shop, and it just came to me. Well done, Adam. You're actually level now. You're both on twenty-three. So this is the decider. This is going to determine who Fuck is me. the runner-up. There's all about the business. Here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. Oh, for fuck's sake. After all the films I've had to do plot summaries for on this, this is probably going to be the hardest. Um, I'm just going to go with the basic premise Modern of the film. Drive. Yes! Well done, Adam! Oh, my yes! God! How did he get that? <laughs> I, I, could, I, could, I remember saying that in my head, and I thought, oh what my film God. have we done? That's He's done it. Plot I was going to shout out Jesus rolls. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Because of the, oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, oh, shit. Well done, Adam. You did it. You actually yeah, did it. You actually did it. <laughs> this motherfucker pipped me. <laughs> so that means, Adam... Do some more questions, because just keep going. Let's just fuck no. Did you, that was Whoa. fun, though, wasn't it? <laughs> Adam has saved his best performance for the final episode of the year. <laughs> yeah, Three man. questions in a row. He gets every one right. That's rigged. That is good. You would have got... Two of them were on the buzzer, though. So, like... Yeah, you yeah. were very close. I, I very was close, close with that smoke. That third one, Adam just beat you, just done you over. Carry on, Paul, carry on reading that plot description from Mulholland Drive and let me see at what point I might have got it. Okay, I'm just going to go with the basic premise of the film at the beginning and we can spiral away from there in the podcast. It's pretty much a girl who has a, who's in a car crash who can't remember who she is. Bang, of, there yeah, I already got it. Okay, got right, it. wow, 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 wow. Yes. Shit, man, that's good. Look well done, that. young Adam. So the scores at the end of the year are 27 to me 24 to Adam and 23 to Ben. Fucking sorry, Ben. What a travesty, man. So just to get you lined up, Adam. How much money are you sending me? This means you can change any rating of a film in any year we've done a podcast. So how many in total can Adam change at the end of this podcast? So he can change one from this year and one from any year. Okay. All right. We'll revisit that at the end of the pod. That was good. Well done, boy. Well done. So we reset to zero for 2021. Okay, so this beautifully leads us on to what we're talking about this episode, and that is 2020. This off, this our first section. Us three boys are going to talk you through our top 10 first-time watches in 2020. So these are films that weren't released in 2020. We just individually watched them for the first time in 2020. And we're going to go from... The tenth spot to the first spot, eh? That's correct. And we'll have a little little chat. We won't talk too in depth because we want to save that for our nearest and dearest and our brightest and sh- shitest. 
Yes? <laughs> Brightest and shyest. I'm having a little bit of a drink because this is the end of year podcast. I, and I can already tea. feel I myself my slurg a bit. Excuse me? I had my tea and I finished my tea. I encourage you to drink alcohol for an end of year special. I don't have any alcohol at the moment. Please have a like a Bloody Mary or something. I don't have any tomato juice. Have it without the bloody. Just have a Mary. A water. A have vodka. a Mary. Top 10 first time watches in 2020. Who would like to go first? Let's flip the coin. Flip that coin. That has three sides. I Should we just it. go in the normal order? Paul, Adam, Ben. Let's okay, do that. let's just do that. Okay, so my number 10. This was spurred on by, by Ben's um, horror run that he did this year. And it made me really want to watch his franchise. And at number 10, I have Child's Play. This is the original Child's wow. Play, not the remake. But that is at my number 10. Yes, the original. Very That's fun. some hot stuff. It is hot stuff. Adam, have you ever seen Child's Play, the original? No, I haven't. You sat in a cinema with me and watched the awful remake. You owe oh, it yes, to yourself to watch the original. You do. I think I've maybe done it at some point, but I don't remember it enough to be talking to you two about it. Oh, I never thought Chucky would make one of our end of year lists. How lovely. What would you have done if it was the remake of Child Play? I would have divorced the podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> divorced me? <laughs> yes, I don't know how we. Uh, that this could is the two pack. <laughs> oh, worst line ever in any film. Ugh. Yeah, that was very bad. That did not make my, my top 10. I'm very, very sorry. It did not. Now, I'll be interested to see if any of the subsequent Chuckies make an appearance on your first time watches in 2020. Well, at number nine is Charles Play 2. Is it? Is <laughs> yes. it? Oh, yes. shit. Good call. <laughs> it is the the better film. As you say, there is there is a some um, hints of Terminator 2 in there. And it's got a great mm. ending. Such a great ending. See, Charles Play 2 is on Netflix, but Charles Play isn't. It's really annoying because I want to watch the second one. Do you know but, what, Adam? I think, considering you watch the remake, you get the essence of it. Just watch Child's Play 2. I mean, it's Chucky, enjoy like, well, you don't really need to know too much of his backstory. You kind of know it before going into the film. You know, well, exactly. I would, I would actually say that it's nothing like the Child's Play remake. And you don't understand what Chucky's like if you watch the Child's Play remake, because that's like I an mean, AI. He's a murderous little doll. Like, well, more it's an AI. It's not, even, it's not even like... Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's sentient, is it? It's like some weird... It's just programmed to do shit. <laughs> it has no yeah. emotion at any point that uh, that remake doll does it. Whereas the no. original doll, Br- the Brad the Riff Chucky, a two-pack. yeah, mm. that, yeah, but he's just repeating what he heard someone else say. It's like a Alexa regurgitating yeah. what it's heard. Whereas yeah. Chucky, the original in the Child's Play, he's he's a doll possessed by fucking Charles Lee Ray, Brad the Riff, a serial killer, and he okay. just he carries that energy. Imagine a serial yeah. killer in a kid's doll who doesn't give a fuck about the kid at all. I think you need to watch first Child's Play if you want to watch Child's Play 2, if I'm honest. I mean, I will, I don't, unless I get really bored and end up watching it. But, but Adam, do you know what? All those moments where you uh, message us and say you're watching Geddon and fucking Shark yes. vs. Octopussy <laughs> and shit like that, Child's Play 2 is... Child's Play 2 is the perfect antidote for those times. When you're in the oh, mood no. for something silly and entertaining, Child's Play 2 will do the trick in spades. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So totally. would Llamageddon, man. It's a llama that drops in space and shoots laser beams. No, but you yeah. actually give this one a good rating. Yes. You gave Llamageddon one star. Yeah, that's all it deserves. <laughs> yes. Stop <laughs> watching all... these films. What about Poseidon Rex? No one cares about Poseidon Rex, mate. It better not be in your top 10 first time watches. Oh, mate. <laughs> <laughs> his fucking top 10 will be littered with those that, films Zombievers 
all that kind of shit. Yucky. Shall I go on to my number Sharknado. eight? Yes, number eight. Number eight is actually one of our episodes we did, and this was with the Contrarians. It's Holy Motors. What a film. Ooh, Ooh look at that. Very good So what film. are these? These ratings of nines at the moment? Yeah, so these are, no, Holy Motors, it's all eights at the moment. Okay. Holy Motors was an eight for me. Well, maybe we'll wait and hold off on Holy Motors, because I've actually got that in my list as well. Ooh, Ooh okay. okay, okay. We'll do that. Okay, and at my number seven is a documentary, very beautiful documentary, Evelyn. Oh, featured in my is list Is it Evelyn last or is it Evelyn? I can't remember. Evelyn, I think. Evelyn, yes. Um, very, very sad. I've had dramatic. that on my list to so keep me to watch it, but... Mm. Well, hit us. Get, tell us what it's about. So it is about a family who lose a son and a brother, and it's just them oh, walking no, through... Oh, no, I have watched that. That's when they go on the walk. Yeah. Well, why didn't you yeah, know the, that? The Adam? weird guy with the weird name. What's his name? The, what, the name I just said. <laughs> no, the guy who makes it's got a really posh name. The director. Oh, you are focused on the wrong name. things, boy. I'll tell you what his name is. I remember it now. I remember watching it. Orlando. It's not really <coughs> a, an odd yeah, name. Yeah. What's his surname? <laughs> but he's it's, what? Sorry, he's got like a, a German name. Orlando von Eisen Seidel. <laughs> That's a very posh name. Einsiedel. Oh man. Considering the I subject remember, matter yeah. of this, the fact that we're lingering on his yes, name is yes. travesty, man. This, this just shows Adam, obviously. What did Adam give it? Let's see. I'm interested now. Adam, gave it an eight, Adam gave it an eight, but... Eight, you I also robot. watched something else he did. He did something with the monkeys, and it was very good. <laughs> with Fuck the monkeys. Fuck me. Anyway, this film is a tragic film. It's a, they, They're walking around, and they're just basically reliving memories of this young boy's life and how much they meant to him, and their regrets and their love mm. and their emotions and it's very very sad mm-hmm. and beautiful and i worked with someone she's now left the organization where i work but i work with someone who was friends with the sister which is how i found out about that you say the organization like it's a gangster sport. i'm not giving out the details of my workplace <laughs> i know but it's just like the organization <laughs> it is an organization and we are fucking global Ooh. oh shit the yakuza or the jacuzzi Whatever anyway, it's nice to see Evelyn appear in an end of year list last year and this year. That's oh, it paramount. Did, it did appear, yeah, it went last year, wasn't it? Yeah. I believe it was my number one first time watch in 2019 last year. Oh, was it? Oh, really? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Okay. Um, my number six is Searching for Sugar Man. Oh, oh wow. really? I've got that on my list. Yeah. Where is it? In, what number does it place in your list? Are it's we going to go to number? It's going to number five on my list. All okay. right, we'll wait till Adam we'll speaks. Okay. Okay. At, at my number five is Batman Hush. This is an animated film from DC Animated Universe. It is it's just a a film adaptation of a very well known comic book, and it's brilliant. It's great. It's got loads of the Batman villains in it. It's uh, got a great story. And I can't really say anything about ruining anything, so it's a good little Batman film. What's the unique aspect of this particular Batman story? Um, Well... Got Heath Ledger in it. (laughs) It's not got Heath Ledger in it, no. You're very very crass today, Adam. He is, isn't he? Dismissive. (laughs) Um, It is is basically this, this new villain called Hush. You don't know who he is. He covers his face with bandages. He's He's killing people around the city, and Batman has to. Is it in Gotham? 
yeah, it's in Gotham. He has to confront loads and loads of villains to try and work out the. It's a very, very grounded detective story, which I love. I love when Batman's doing a detective story, and like that's his roots. But it's about it's about working out who this person is and why they're doing it, and it's good. It's great. Okay. Okay. And my number four is another documentary. It's Love and Tosha. This is about Anton Yelchin. The act who who died. Ah, yeah, I very very much enjoy this. Very heartbreaking as well. It's um, he he had a, he had a crazy life. He had a crazy life. He had um, I can't remember what, he, what was wrong with him now. He had a disease basically, with um, that meant if he was struggle he struggled to breathe. I can't remember what he had. What was it? Oh, cystic fibrosis. Okay, so Anton Yelchin had cystic fibrosis, and his whole life was revolved around the fact that one day this horrible disease is going to take his life and he's always struggling and but he puts on a brave face for every performance he does you would never even know and he kept it secret his whole life and one day he just came out of his house got in his car i don't know how it happened but the car rolled back and trapped him oh, against him. his against his gate of his house and it yeah. suffocated him is that how he died? I thought yeah. he died in like a legit car crash. No, it, I always remember he got run over by his own car. Yeah, horrible. That's horrible. insane, man. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Mm. The fact that he he had this this whole like trauma of being able to breathe his whole life, and that is how it goes out. It's mental. And he dies through suffocation. Shit, yeah. that's that's upsetting, man. Horrible. I, did, I didn't realize that. What's Anton Yelchin most famous for? He was in Salva- uh, Terminator he Salvation. Was in Star Trek, wasn't he? And Star Trek. Yeah, he's yeah. Been, yeah Star Trek, um, Green Room. Uh, he was in Fright, Fright Night. Oh, Fright Night, yeah. yeah. Uh, what else? He was in Alpha Dog. He's been in quite a lot, but you, like stuff that you, you forget that he's even in it. Yeah, he would have had a good future. That not- oh, yeah, and there was something yeah, else. Yeah, he, he was a very good actor. He was very good at crying. Um, my number three... LA ninety two. I've got a lot of documentaries. You and documentaries, <laughs> boy. I, I see with documentaries, I feel like I I give out higher ratings for them easier. Because I don't know whether it's like the, the realness of them, it gets to me more than sometimes like a fictional story. And because I know it's real, it kind of hits me harder than if I like any if I saw a documentary a film about about the same thing that happened in the documentary, I don't think it would hit me as hard because it's not the real footage. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, there's documentaries about real events and then you I watch know, the film I and know. the film resonates more. I know, but at the same time, some documentaries can do crazy things and I still wouldn't rate them that high. So it's just swings well, around. Well, what's LA 92 about? LA 92 is about the the riots, the riots in, in, in 92. Good. What's his name, right? Who's the guy who got beaten on the up? back of Rodney King? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just all archival footage from news and just like people on the streets at the time, and it's it's shocking stuff, but great. It's it's an insight into that time, and it's very well. Made. I, if you enjoyed that, I think you should try and find. Um, I can't remember what they called. Yeah, OJ Simpson made in America. Oh yeah, that, that's, that's that. brilliant, man. Four part documentary. Yeah, is that's incredible. that's what keeps. Pull it, hold me back from it the fact that it's four parts uh, but, but it's so it, is it's that the wonderful. long one it's really they're like an hour and a half each as well aren't they yeah but isn't yeah, it the, the beauty brilliant. of it Adam isn't it is that it sets the, it it's sets a the scene like detail, what Paul's man. saying mm-hmm. the details incredible and just to get into the psyche of how how race it was then not just the riots and like the uh, dis- disenfranchised black community 
and and they're protesting against what had happened to Rodney King, but like how revenge is the wrong word, but how how what OJ Simpson was going through was almost like, well, this is our little battle now in mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of the fucking war that's taking place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I'll go. I'm going to check it out then. Interesting. It's about time I checked it out. Um, to my number two, Guava Island. Oh, Guava Island. Guava Island. It appeared last year on our top list, Adam. It, eh? Yes, it did. Very beautiful. I, I watched it, and then I literally watched it the next day <laughs> again. Yeah, it has yes, it has. It does, doesn't it? Rewatchability yeah. immediately. Oh, just I watched it by myself, then I watched it with Jenny. The music in it's beautiful. I loved it. I like when he does. Uh, this is America so in, in the warehouse. That. Yes, he so integrates good. it. And that summertime magic song, because of the performance in Guava Island, that's why it played at the wedding. In the summer, in the summer. In the summer right, if you two were singing it, it never would have played at the fucking <laughs> wedding. You two sound like a fucking sack of cat cocks or something, trying to whistle out a tune. We whistling are childish Gambino, Dixie. don't you worry about that. But yeah, that's my, number, that's my number two. I got a nine out of ten. And that is on Amazon. People, people should go check it out. It's on Amazon. Go check it out. It's not, it's not a very long film. How, how long was it? Like sixty minutes? Yes, yeah, it's very, it's very swift. It's sub an hour, I think. It's very good. Nine is out. high. Like it's high for Guava Island. Guava Island was like a sleeper hit for all of us, mm. man. Very good. Well, what good. got the lofty position of number one? This was very recent. This one It was a very recent watch, and this is Dawn of the Dead. Oh, the original, well, yes, yes, original Dawn of the Dead. What a film! That's my kind of zombie film. In the supermarket. Yeah. You get the stakes, you get the light-heartedness, you get yeah. the cool zombie kills. How's the stake It's cooked? fun. It is fun. Uh, it's, it's medium. No, it's actually very rare, actually, the stake. I'd say. The high stakes. Yeah, very high stakes. Okay, very well done. Beautiful. That's a 9 out of 10. There was no 10 out of 10 first time watches Ooh. this year. So I've got four on my list. Wow. Well, four tens. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Well then, without further ado, let's hear it, Adam. Ten to one. Okay, number ten is a film I watched very recently. In fact, I only watched it on Sunday. This is recorded on a Tuesday. To spoilers to anyone who actually wants to know timescales. And that is Old Boy. Way! Oh, Old Boy did make an appearance. Okay. Yeah, so these are all starting at nines, okay? This, they've got quite a high list here. Yeah. Old Boy at number ten, which is a nine. Number nine is Dogman. What are you doing? You're not going to speak about Old Boy? <laughs> well, what do you want me to say? There's much to say. Tell us oh, what you want to say about that film. Um, that's a film with some stakes and stakes at play, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's what you can say about that. Uh, yes, it is very well done, though. It's a very well good film, and it leaves you questioning everything at the end. Who, who may be morally right and wrong, and like, do people deserve this and all that? So, yeah. And just to clarify, you watched the original, not the Spike Lee, yes, Josh Brolin remake. No, 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 of course. Um, and number nine is Dogman, as I just said, which is, uh, I think, was in your list yes, last year. Uh, another it, one mm. rearing its head, yes, yeah. yes. Yes, which is about the Italian man who washes dogs and gets involved in mafia. And what did you think More. of it? You enjoyed it? Yeah, yeah, it's a nine on my list. It's, yeah. yeah, great film. That is a very good film. And number eight is a I don't know what to describe it's a concert film and it's a very old film I think Ben recommended it to me and it's The Last Waltz oh baby I have seen which this which is brilliant it's the band and um, they bring out all their friends like Bob Dylan who else is in it 
There's Bob, loads of Bob people. Dylan. Who they got? They got Neil Neil Diamond. Yes, there's loads of people popping in and out, and it's just a brilliant. It's just a concert happening and people dropping in and out, just having a good time, and especially watching it in this year, it kind of makes you reminisce about the years. Doesn't it though? Do Doesn't it yeah. though? Just to to like watch live live music and films yeah. of live music now makes you really. And especially considering it was like got. even recorded in what was it like the seventies? Yeah, it's like Martin Scorsese and all of that. You and know that, was, that song. Hang on a minute. You know that th- th- my favorite song in that. I've heard it on the album, but it's never performed better than in that film, and it's up on Cripple Creek. No, 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 it's not up on Cripple Creek. It's the night they drove old Dixie down. It's when LaVon Helm, the drummer in the band, sings while yeah. he's playing the drums. The performance in it that was always better incredible. the singer. Every time he was singing, was better than when, what's when his name was Richie, singing? whatever his name was. Ro- Robertson, isn't Richie it? Richie Robertson, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But see, he, Richie Robertson, wanted to be the big star of The Last Waltz and... Scorsese kind of fell in love with him as the leading man and he was like, right, you're going to be the focal point, I'm going to follow you. But the rest of the band were like, this guy can't fucking play. He can't He can't play. He can <laughs> sing all right, but when he's live, he prefers posturing to actually playing. And that's why there's a, an urban legend, I don't know if it's true or not, that they actually unplugged his microphone for many of the group group um, <laughs> songs in that so they couldn't I hear Richie on the contract. Oh, man. It's what we do with Paul a lot of the time. Well, I don't know how that makes sense. I edit the shit. <laughs> Paul um, literally does it to you, Adam, because he drops your singing yes. out. <laughs> he cuts <laughs> your singing out of every episode. Um, and number seven is a film we did on the podcast. It was a film that was in our quiz question as well this week, and that is Maholland Drive. Wow. Um, David Lynch represent? Yes, I don't think I need to say much more about that. We've done podcasts on that as well. Number six is a film called Purple Rain, which I oh. watched first time this year, and it's brilliant. I loved it as well. Is this number Prince nine? Is it a number nine? This is number six. Nine out of ten, I'm saying. It's a nine out of ten. Yeah. Yes, yeah, still nine. We're still on the nines out of ten tier. That Prince, so good. What more do you want in anything? Would you think that is like, it's Eight Mile, but Eight Mile just took it and was like, I'll do the rap version of that. Yeah. Which you think se- is a better film? It's a less film. sexy Eight Mile. Nah, I- Purple Rain is more sexy than Eight Mile, man. That's what. Oh, sorry, that's what I meant. I meant to say that. Yeah, Eight Mile ain't sexy at all. No, I meant, I meant to say it's a sexier Eight Mile. Adam getting turned on by all those guys working down at the, uh, you know, manufacturing plant, <laughs> making all those car hoods. Yes, it is very good. Oh, good. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed. And it. number five is a f- the film that popped up in Paul's list, which is Searching for Sugar Man. Oh yeah. Okay, let's yes, hear it. Which, yeah, it's another documentary. It's a it it's a heartwarming documentary as well. It's about a was it from South Africa? Yeah. So there's an American singer called Rodriguez, who's very good if you haven't checked him out. Who was he's never really very good. big. He was like never Dylan. very big. Yes, he's very Dylan, isn't he? But he never made it. Yeah. Or did um, he? Yeah. Maybe he did. Well, in America, he didn't. He was very. He didn't even make enough money to live on. He was all hiding away and having to work jobs and everything. But in South Africa, he was massive. Mm. But nobody had ever known of this guy. And he, he didn't know either. Music. <laughs> he didn't know about it. And was it the, in mid-2000s, wasn't it? Maybe a bit later than that. The people, the fan group, they tracked him down. And they told him how big he was. And they got him to come to South Africa to do a concert. And he wasn't believing him. He didn't believe mm. him. He thought mm. it was all a big prank. But he got there and he was laying on concerts and 
yes it's pretty lovely. unbelievable story you wouldn't believe it if someone it came to your house great yeah i know <laughs> highly recommend checking it out yeah it's great it's that fun. was that was good i watched it this year as well basically because paul recommended it and yeah that was that was strong i swear like the next day i can't remember when i watched it i feel like it was early in lockdown the next day me and jenny were driving somewhere to go for our walk yeah it took us like an hour to drive but we just listened to his shit all the way on the drive because mm, we were good man we were like wow his voice it's so distinctive as well it is um, it's a shame because that goes to show you how the producers decide whether or not someone's going to make yeah. it in the early days. Mm-hmm. And about he, the radio he, play and stuff. Yeah. He could have gone far, man. But yes. Uh, number four, this is the first of my tens, is a documentary about a guy who did go very far. And that is a George Harrison documentary called Life in a Material World, which is directed by Martin Scorsese again. Is it? It's a very long documentary, about four and a half hours long. Wow. Uh, it's split into two parts. It's obviously his Beatle life. And, and you give this a 10? Yeah, it's beautiful, man. If you cared anything about him or you think you've got a slight interest in, I'd recommend to watch this. So d- is incredible. this one of those document? You know certain documentaries you can know very little about the subject matter or the person, but if the documentary's done well enough, you oh, yeah, can still really appreciate yeah, it. It's so one of those, detail it? in it. There's mm. like so much detail, hidden footage, it explains it all. It's one of the only documentaries about his life that his family have been involved in as well. So his wife is speaking in it and his son. And they've released like certain footage that they had around to Martin Scorsese as well. Interesting. Hmm. But yes. Lots of music uh, on Adam's top ten he, here. He right? loves it. He loves it. All about the That's music. The, yeah, of course the music's music was makes the world go round. No, there's nothing wrong with that. At number three is a film that caught me completely by surprise. I, w- I put this film on just expecting it to be another kind of average film. You know, when you, you're you not expecting wonders from it, you just... It's called Fruitvale Station. I don't oh, know if any of you okay. have seen it. We have. I felt like this is yeah. my list last year. Yeah, it was on my list last year. Mm. Was it? Okay. It was absolutely brilliant, man. I watched it at the end of it, and I was like, oh, my God. How a film... And it's not a very long film. It's like an hour and 20 minutes. Mm. How a film in that length of time can be as powerful as what they did. How good that. is Michael B. Jordan in that? It's fucking brilliant. Mm. Like, I was completely blown away with it. I was like, almost wanted to rewatch it immediately just to make sure I actually understood it. I wasn't hyping it up too much. It's mm. like, did that actually just happen? And that's Ryan Coogler as well, the director of Black Panther. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. It's mm. horrible because you... Cause you know what's going to happen, and but the yeah. rest of the film is like it doesn't even play to the fact that it's going to happen. Yeah. It just happens. It's just it's like the rest yeah. of it's just like the relationship story, him seeing his daughter, and all that. Yeah, it's like just going sad. out for no years. Yeah, it's good because it reminds you. You hear about these things happening, and you see it on as like a ten second snippet on something like Twitter. Someone's been shot. Black guy's been shot like that, mm. and it's like fucking just another day in America. But. Yeah. You forget the the human story behind the person. This is one of those ones that you said about the documentaries. Like, even if you saw the documentary on this, or even if you actually saw the footage of people filming on the train, yes, I don't think it would hit you as hard as. Yeah, this I film I could would. agree with that. Yeah, I could agree with that. Mm. It's because it gets it's the emotional stakes. Give you the like, story of it, and that makes yeah. that tightens the experience, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, his energy in this film reminds me of our good friend Danny. Uh, Many listeners yes. will have heard Danny on our In Time episode. I Michael B. Jordan's character in this is very, I think, very similar to how Danny is. I think that probably might be why it hit me hard, actually. Like, Maybe. Subconsciously. Maybe. 
It definitely yes. reminded me of him big time. Mm, mm. What was that, Adam? Number two? That was number three. Three, Ooh. three. Ooh. Two more. Number two? Music documentary. It's not a music. There's no more music documentaries, <laughs> don't you worry. Maybe not on your list. <laughs> number two is The Untouchables. Oh, Untouchables, yes. I don't know. It's got another name as well, hasn't it? Sometimes it comes up on people. Is it Untouchables as well? The Untouchables. Untouchables, Untouchables. is a very different film. Yes. Not the one with Sean Connery and no. Nero in. No, in touch. No, but this is this is the French film about a guy who's meant to be looking after this disabled man because he can't get around and they become best friends and they treat they shows him the other side of life that he's never had. Um, he's a very rich man. He's always had everything kind of go his way, and this man shows him the other side of life and. Oh, it's a lovely little film. Mm-hmm. Did you it's say recently that this was your favourite foreign film, actually, Adam, when we asked this on the podcast? I'm sure you I said I think that. it might have been, yeah. Yeah. Very strong. It's not City of God, very... like you always say. <laughs> no, I forgot about this at the time, but yeah. <laughs> what do you think about the fact that, that Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston oh, no. did on an American remake? I'll never watch that. I like, I like Brian Cranston or Brian Croissant, but um, yeah, I'd never watch that. Kevin Hart annoys me a lot. Yeah, Kevin Hart is annoying. Very it's much very, so. It's very odd now because Brian Cranston, like, he had that time with him in Breaking Bad and he was, like, one of the biggest people ever, right? Yes. And now and now he's almost, like, a joke. Yeah, yeah, totally. When you, if you stuff. saw him in something, you wouldn't take it seriously. No, never. Brian Cranston in the cast of something is not a selling point anymore. No, it's not. Odd. Very sad. He's, he's almost diluted himself too much. Yeah, I'd say so. Our Contrarian Brothers did an episode on The Untouchables. Oh, did they? They also did an episode, follow-up episode on the American remake as well. They did not oh, care for it. I hope they pandered it. They did. Yeah, I couldn't imagine so. So what gets and the number one spot? Ooh. This is a film we did a podcast on. Oh. Oh, yes, Ooh. it's an all. It's an all moment. It's a film I picked for the podcast that I never watched at the time. Oh. It's a film that Ben bought me for my birthday. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cinema Paradiso. Well done. Well Say no more, baby. We said yes. all that there is to say on that. Yes. There is a podcast on it where we Go speak check about it, it out. in depth. <laughs> Go and listen to that one. I think it's our t- in our top three uh, films we've ever covered, right? It is number, no, it yeah. is number, number four. Three. No. Number four. Oh. Home Alone pushed it, it out. It is number four. Yeah, it's number four now. Home Alone pushed it out. <sighs> that makes me sad, but what a film. What a film. All right, well, that's good. So let's let's do mine. So starting at number 10, I'll keep the music documentary tradition going. Number 10, I watched this at the beginning of lockdown, is Supersonic. It's the documentary of Brilliant. Oasis. And as someone who is a fan of both Liam and Noel individually, but never really massively collectively Oasis, this documentary really captures a moment in time. It feels so nostalgic as fuck, particularly um, as a British, British person. And what... Yeah life was like when that music was first coming out but also how how religious uh the the community around a racist oasis can be and how their legend has lived on and i love the fucking insight into what was going on behind the scenes mm. it's such a well-made documentary and i think it's one of those I've ones it many a times i'm sure you have paul have you watched it no i haven't no it's one of those ones where if, even if you don't like them or don't like the music i think you would watch the documentary and go that was fucking good Mm. There is, there's always a line in Oasis that it sticks with me, and it's like the last towards the very end. I think Noel says it, and he goes, "Well, they've just done net worth," and he goes, "I think that was the last gathering of the people." 
glass great gathering of the people stuff like that doesn't happen no more he says there's too many people that get involved there's too many there's too much money involved there's too much social media like this things like this do not happen again 250,000 people in one spot for a concert and mate who knows just enjoying it in the moment like who knows if that will ever happen again on that scale Mm. because of what we're going through vaccine or no vaccine who knows because yeah. you think about it that's like 250,000 people is what people go to Glastonbury yeah. they don't even all people go to one stage that is 250,000 people at one stage and they all went for one fucking band I know it's special it's special and you look at the lineup for that night the Apology were on there I think as well um, I think there's quite a few I looked at it before it was like £14 for a ticket mate times have changed man times have changed (laughs) also like now literally as of now the last live gig i went to was liam gallagher with you just over a year ago adam that's crazy that's how long it's been since i've seen that when your phone got stolen yeah it was and ben tried comforting me that did not work (laughs) dear listeners there's a video out there that maybe one day might get released of when we went to a liam gallagher gig and i annoyed adam a lot after his phone was stolen anyway moving on number nine is a true story, but the fictional account of it is Rush. And oh, okay. I, oh, really? Yes, mm. yes. Mm. Ron Howard's Rush, which had been a long time for me watching, and I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did, but Chris Hemsworth and Daniel Brawl are fucking perfect. As Who is it? Nicky Lauder, and what's the other guy's name? James Hunt. James Hunt, mm. or J- James Cunt, as he should be called, because he's really arrogant in the film. Um, well, as they play on that quite a few times, don't they? That's where the name comes from, isn't it? That's why they use it in Cocky Ryman's name. Is it? I feel like it is. Someone really? look that up. Look that up in a dictionary and we'll find out. If it is, that is a fantastic fact. I did enjoy the film, mainly because for as much as I did or used to like F1, I didn't know too much about Nicky Louder, so I wasn't aware of that crash uh, and what happened and what became of him afterwards. So I enjoyed the rivalry, I enjoyed the dynamic, and I really enjoyed the race sequences. I thought they were really fucking good. Uh, it's very fitting that this is the year he died as well, and you yes. in our list. Well, there he is. Shout out to Louder. No, it wasn't no, the year before. No shit, he died in twenty nineteen. Well, that's very sad. Nevertheless, we move James on. Hunt, James Hunt is on the Urban Dictionary, and it says this is rhyming slang for cunt, and is normally used. As oh, so. okay. Sorry, I thought you meant cunt came from hunt. Okay, yeah. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, I get it now. I was confusing myself. Well, you're being a bit of a James Hunt. (laughs) So we move on from that big mainstream film and we go to something very, very independent from, like, I think the mid-90s. And it is Steve Buscemi in In the Soup. Oh, I watched this recently as well. You watched it. You you Mm. both watched it, I believe. Didn't you've seen it too, I haven't seen it. I have not seen it, no. Well, I really, really like it because it's it's like the Buscemi independent film that works. There's a load that don't. There's a bunch of Buscemi independent films that are very not good. Like, you watched Trees Lounge the other day, didn't you? Yeah, that's a bit, it it's a bit work. weird. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, he's like, it's a guy hitting on a 17-year-old girl. I know, that's I know. That's what the film is. I know. God. And the thing is, I would defend to the death independent film and Steve Buscemi being an independent film man, but only when it really works and in the soup yeah, it works I mean, so well you've got for to accept it it's, it can't always work can it no but in the soup yeah it's a brilliant so I don't want to spoil the ending for Paul but yeah it's kind of like it's, it's a very abstract independent love letter to yeah. independent filmmaking like just what if you want to make a film here's how you can get it done and we're going to throw in a gangster story into the mix it, it yeah. worked very very well I enjoyed it and I liked it all shot in black and white very nice Lovely. 
The next film on my list, and I think you've both seen this, is called The Face of Love. And it's got Ed Harris and Annette Benning. Yes. I've not seen it. I, I watched this the it. other day. What did you I think? I didn't care for it as much as you did. Oh. I can get why you, you do it, but there's not enough there to... Well, I yeah, I don't know. Something in it just resonated with me. Basically, Yeah, all... and I completely get that, and that's probably why it's so high up your list. But as yeah. a film... If you don't resonate with it, there's not much of a film below that. That's right. That makes sense. It's quite badly rated, isn't it? Well, it may well be. I don't look at the, the ratings, to be mm. honest. I, I, I want more Robin Williams as well. You can't put Robin Williams in role. Is that one of his last films as it's well? It's one of his last films, yeah. Oh, I was in it. So Annette Benning is, is married to Ed Harris, and he dies immediately at the beginning of the film. And then, so she carries on as a widower, at, widow, sorry, and then one day she sees him in a museum... And she's like, what the fuck? And she becomes obsessed with this man who is, it's Ed Harris again, the spitting image of her husband. And uh, she gets into a relationship with him without telling him that he is literally the spitting image of her husband. And it just works Which is so the most well. annoying thing about the film, is just fucking tell him. Nah, man, because she doesn't <laughs> want to lose that. That's oh, the thing. No. She doesn't want to lose. What would like, she imagine. Lose? Huh? What wouldn't she lose? Yeah, but he might because understand that. Because she already enters into a relationship with him without telling him that he looks like, the spitting image of her husband, them, right? All problems are solved. She's not going to say that to him from the off because that's going to creep him out. So <laughs> she she wants this man near her because she misses her husband so much. And here, here is this man who is literally her husband. If she tells him, he's going to fucking flee. So she won't do it. And then the plot... Can I, can I just ask whether it actually... Like says something like he's not actually a randomer. He's actually something to do with the husband. No, he's nothing. No. He's nothing to do with the husband. Okay, no. Okay, they're completely coincident. But yeah, yeah. it's even. But it's okay. like the stuff with the daughter. It's like just tell your daughter. Yeah, I know the daughter being surprised. I know it was. I won't say too much in case Paul Paul ends up watching it. But I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I did. I I thought it was very nicely handled, and mainly I liked the acting between the two of them. I, Ed Harris was very sweet, and he's not normally. They sweet. had a nice relationship. Yeah, very sweet. Number six was Arrival, um, which just like for me fucking compounded the fact that I love Denny Villeneuve. I think he can do no wrong. I don't think I've seen a film by him that I didn't think was fucking incredible. Um, I did not he, agree with Arrival. I've watched some of his stuff and yeah. I loved it, but Arrival just did not work for me. I, I just like don't get it. Either. And what didn't you I like just, about Arrival? I just, I don't know I don't what it was. I just did not like that film. It just annoyed me. I found it very pretentious and it felt very like set up. Like by the end, I was like, oh, really? That is the story? I thought it was a wonderful reveal at the end. Mm. I wanted to watch it again because I, I, I did want to go back to it because I have memories that I want to explore, but I, think I didn't like it at the time. The idea of language and how they were communicating and, and, and how things were being translated was very powerful for me. And I would say that. that in in some ways, not in all ways, but in some ways, it was a better film about space and communication and relations with people than Interstellar is. No. And I think if I it, I think if I watched Arrival again as well, that I would I would consider it better than Interstellar. Interstellar's been watched three times by me, so I've had time to sink in. But if you want to talk about pretension, my friend, you cannot talk about pretension and then talk about Interstellar because that is no, some that's, that's pretentious more science, shit. science based. 
Yeah. It's all it's all yeah. based in science. Anyway, Amy still. Adams was wonderful in it. I liked the direction. I liked the story. I loved the ending. It's a beautiful film to look at, but there's there's no substance to it. Oh, that mate, there was substance. <laughs> Come on now, holy it was shit! Black substance. Oh, you foolish inky, children. Inky, inky substance. I'll talk to you no more of Denny Villeneuve. Number five in my list, and Scott is going to like this one. Number five. Is it Scream? Still Magnolias. And Still Magnolias, <laughs> right? I watched this film when I was sick as a dog right before coronavirus locked the whole world down. About two weeks before, I was mm. vomiting violently and... In order to recover from it, I needed something soft and gentle on the telly. So I crawled into my living room and got under the blanket and lay down on Jenny's lap. And we watched uh-huh. Steel Magnolias. And uh-huh. it is some heartfelt, emotional shit. It has an incredible female cast from the 80s. It's got Dolly Parton in it, man. Julia, yeah, Julia I've, Roberts. I've it a very long time ago. Daryl Hannah and Sally Field. And Sally Field... I, I don't know if she was nominated for an Oscar or what for that, but her performance in that is Oscar-worthy. And it all it all s- s- sort of centres around a, a wedding that's going to happen. Julia Roberts is going to get married, mm. and it's all about what is happening in and around that situation. I think it was a play originally. Anyway, I fucking loved it. It was emotional. It was beautiful. I cried, yeah, big time. Yeah. Big time, baby. I know, I, I know what happens in the film. I just can't really remember much else that happens apart what? from the big thing. It's all in the performances, really. Just like mm. something like Glen Gary, Glen Ross. It's not so much about the key plot points as as how the the characters push things forward. Anyway, loved it. Mm. Number four, it was brought up on Paul's list, and it's number four on my list. It is our collab with the Contrarians, and it is Holy Motors. Yeah. Um, wow! Again, if you want to hear what we think of that, listen to the episode. I won't say anything more about it here. Number three. And I really would have loved this to have been number one of the year. When I watched it, I almost thought it would have been, but it doesn't quite cut it. Number three is Phantom Thread. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis, and Paul, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Again, Daniel Day-Lewis's final acting performance. Mm. When I first started the film, I was like, I'm not sure about this. I don't know what this is getting at. But by the end, I was like, this is incredible. It takes like some sort of mythical fairy tale elements of mm-hmm. traditional storytelling and throws it into this fucking plot narrative of a guy who makes dresses yeah. and his relationship with this woman who comes in and how that drives a wedge between him and his sister and him and his metaphorical mother. I just love the style of it. I love the acting. I love all the beats of the story. I, I would love to watch this one again. Just like There Will Be Blood and just like another Paul Thomas Anderson film I watched recently, The Master, it's one of those films where the first time you watch it, you know it's something special, but you're going to need to watch it another time and another time to enjoy it mm. even, even more. Yeah, you need to relax into it. You need to relax into watch. it. And that's where we'll take Oti to task you and I, because yes. in, in For Your References <laughs> wrap-up, Oti said, if you don't know straight away that it's a 10, it can never be a 10. That's some bullshit, no, Oti, I'm that's sorry. That's some bullshit. And he okay. backtracks on it himself because he I gave know. fucking, what's it called? <laughs> District 9 and 8.5 and then he was like that's a 10 (laughs) it's like you said it was an 8 yeah an (laughs) 8.5 and my final two films I'm going to do as a couple number two is Rocky 2 and number one is Rocky oh yes I was I'd never (laughs) seen the Rockies before this year and I cannot tell you how delighted I was to watch Rocky and be fucking fully in love with it all in doesn't matter that decades and decades of like 
satire and prestige. It doesn't matter how cheesy it is either. No. And how many times it's been redone. It's, it's like the Godfather. It is too fucking good. It's not good. like the Godfather, no. Well, I'm talking like <laughs> you can always watch the Godfather and realise what that film started. The thing no that's how many uh, films have done stuff similar to it. How many times have people have like almost remade in different aspects, maybe not quite the same way, but you can go back to those films and realise what they actually started. Both, of you know, them, sometimes when they... you watch an old film that you people have done again since, you're like it gets taken away from you because maybe it's been done better recently and you're like so the old ones don't have the same impact on you well look it's like take goal that we covered recently it takes the rocky narrative goal exists yeah, because exactly. rocky came along but rocky does it fucking better rocky is is the the ultimate rocky. film rocky and it rocky it, it does it just the same no no you're not paying attention <laughs> to the nuances son basically we've had this conversation before on the we go and listen to you. goal it may be tier four paul but we will fight you yeah <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I like the most about the Rocky films is the relationship between Rocky and uh, Adrian because it's it properly, very then. sweet. I'm not going to do that silly voice. It's very, <laughs> very touching and very underrated. Uh, I love the style. I love the fact that Rocky's, Rocky's underrated. Yeah, yeah, it is the the the, is uh, the romantic relationship. Oh, the romantic the, relationship. Okay. No the one really the films about that. They talk about that Adrian moment, but they don't talk about the nuance of that relationship and what she actually means for him and how she actually is in his corner all the time and his strength is drawn from her. And she draws strength from him because she's very timid. She's very quiet in that first Rocky. She's very and nervous very Nelly, because of her brother. That I that, never mind that scene. It was of the time, and then as time goes on, she is in his corner. She's championing him, and she, he's bringing her out of her shell, making her stronger, making her able to stand up to her brute of a brother. Her brother's a piece of fucking shit. And then in the third film, the brother's almost like a sideline. He's reduced himself to shit, and and Adrian is is empowered. She's the one giving Rocky the fucking motivational speeches and telling him how it's going to be. It's beautiful. I can't wait to carry on the rest of the Rockies. And that's the end of my list. I can't well wait done. to see where it falls down. Well, it ain't going to be the next one because I know the next one very well. And that's beautiful. Oh, have you seen that one then? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Is that is that the one with the robot? No, that's five. Ugh. I've seen bits of five. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. What are we doing now? Honourable mentions? Honourable mentions. So what are honourable mentions? So honourable mentions are stuff that just gets pushed out of our top 10 and it makes like another top 10 list. So basically our top 20 to 11. Yes. Okay. Okay. So my number 20, I actually watched this two nights ago and it's a Pixar film and it's Onward. Okay. Um, me, me and Ben had a chat about Pixar the other day. It's, it hits me hard because of, because of the subject matter is about losing a father, and I lost a father when I was quite young. So it hit me that way. So it got me on the emotional beats, but I, th- I think many Pixar films struggle to find a good story to put with the emotion, and yeah. that's what it struggled with. So it's, it's, it's on an eight. Yeah. It's no higher than an eight. See, this is the thing with Onwards. Um, it didn't hit me on that emotional level. I kind of, you get it, like, but it didn't... It needs to hit you quite hard for the rest of the story because there is there's a story there, but it's not it's not a strong story in my opinion. I'm sorry. It's, mm. It feels very childish in a lot of places. There are a couple of moments where you enjoy it and you're actually laughing along with it, but it wasn't enough as an overall package to. No, I agree. Put up I agree. with that, and also it's got Chris Pratt in it, and even Ugh. his voice is starting to annoy me. <laughs> 
that's all I've got to say about Onward. I cried. I cried, and, and that's the end of it. Uh, at you my would. number 19, I have something that I know is in Ben's list, and this is Lynn and Lucy. So we'll okay. leave it there, and we'll talk about when it comes up again. And then on my number 18, I have another film that's in Ben's list. So I guess we'll talk about it later. This is Blow the Man Down. <laughs> yeah, okay. Blow the Man Down. And then at number 17... I have a film that I was um, very lucky to watch. We got sent a screener by by one of the production companies, and it's Swallow. Okay, and so what's this shit about? So this film, <laughs> this film is about um, this this woman who's who's basically dominated over by her husband and her, and his mother, and she finds it very hard to show her emotions and like be herself. So. She decides to start to 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 use her independence and and start swallowing random items in the house because it's her choice to do so. Fucking hell, man! It's very and the do you know ASMR like on YouTube? Yeah. And like the sound effect is so the sound effects are so good in this film, and it's like oh she swallows pins and stuff like that. It's like you hear her mouth like swallowing. It's like oh my god! Ugh. But it's done. It's done so well. It's really really well done. And um, yeah, I recommend it. I recommend it. It's very interesting. Swallow. Uh, but, yeah, swallow. Uh, okay. My next one at number six is I'm thinking of ending things. This mm. is still at oh, number eight. Yes. This is the Netflix film. Um, this is who's the guy I... again? This no. is Char- Charlie Kaufman. Oh yes, Charlie Kaufman directed it. Um, it's a bit of a psychological tale. It has one of the one of the best scenes I've seen in cinema this year. What scene is from that? From Tony Collette and David Thewlis at the dinner table. I See, thought it was phenomenal. The problem with this film is I started off okay and it lost me very quickly. It does It does lose it. It's like it never, nothing ever reaches the heights of this one scene with Tony Collette and, and David Thewlis. I think by the end of it, I was just like, oh, I'll just end it and like... I just lost all patience with this film. And Adam was thinking of ending things, and he ended things. <laughs> yeah. I, I made it to the end, though. I watched it. I remember Paul messaging in the WhatsApp group, like, halfway through the film, and I'm sure you were like, this could be my number one film of the year. That and is how I felt. By the end, you were like, nah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it never it never pays off. It, like, not paying off the scene, but it doesn't get anywhere close to how good that scene was. Okay. Because it's all a bit, it's all very psychological, and yeah. everything's about mental states and dreams. And oh, sounds yes. lovely! I like that. Yeah, you you might enjoy it then. Um, at number five, um, not number five. At number fifteen, I have the devil all the time. Do you know what? As soon as you were talking about thinking of any things, this film immediately popped into my head, and I was like, I wonder if that film was made it to. Because it's another Netflix yes. original. Yeah, yeah, another Netflix original. I I very much enjoyed this film. I know, I know. I think, I think Adam didn't like it, and Ben, you're a little bit in the middle. I was in the middle, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy. It. I like, I like a dark, twisted tale. And it just wasn't anything special. I think, I think Robert Pattinson was good, and um, you know what I it like, suffers I like from. A bit of brutality. The, the the thing that it suffers from is that it is too indulgent at two and a half hours for that story. I'm sorry, you need to be something special. That. 
Yeah, and I if, get you, that. if you're going to drag out, just like another film we mentioned earlier today in, in WhatsApp, we were talking about Hush. That's only a 90 minute film, but fuck me, the concept should that have been a short out. film. If you drag it out that long, you deserve deducted points for not being able to do something more with your story. And if you're mm-hmm. two and a half hours, you need to be epic. And I'm sorry, Devil All the Time is not epic. It's good, but it is not epic. And it, it needs an hour left. It's hour still off. an eight for me. It's still an eight. I, 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 I thought it was an enjoyable story. Some great acting, some brutal yeah. scenes. I love a bit of brutality, and that's as far as it goes, really. My number 14. This is very high up on Adam's list, I'm sure, so I will not speak about it, but it's Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I knew exactly as you said it's high up on my list. I was like, it's going to be this film here. Yeah. Okay. We'll hold okay. on that. This would be an interesting one because this is my number 13. I don't know if it's high on anyone's list, but this is Tenet. Uh, no, it's higher on your list than it is on my list. Wow, okay. Ooh, so okay. let's talk Tenet for a minute. Okay. Um, okay. I very much enjoyed the concept. He thinks he's so smart. It's, it's almost smug. It's so smart yeah, well, it's smug. I saw a tweet once that subbed up this film and it goes, imagine Christopher Nolan watching a normal film, how bored he must be. <laughs> and it's kind of like, yeah, he must be bored. Because like, if he's coming up and thinking of this type of shit, then like... I feel like I really need to watch Tenet again. Like, I, I don't really feel like I need to watch it again. Like, it was very, I've, it was a very much a roller coaster watching this. It was like it, yeah. my rating changed. Like it started off as like exactly a seven. why I want to watch it again. Yeah, I think there's some stuff eight. that might pay off again. I feel like it would grow more, but there's so much. There's almost like so much to take in that you almost mm. need to watch it again just to know. Okay, now we know that bit happened. I can focus on this bit now instead of trying to work out what just happened there kind of stuff what the, the thing that it suffers from is it has a complicated um plot and it's it takes a while to understand what is happening but on top of that he really overcomplicates his the language dialogue his dialogue they use yeah. so many technical terms that yes you probably know what they are but they're unnecessary and unless you really probably know the subject as well you're not going to be able to think of it that quickly mm. they're just dropping all these little terms the whole time yeah, it's like you're trying to keep up with the, the plot, then you're trying to keep up with their dialogue. Dialogue, yeah. And, then, and sometimes the dialogue's not even... It's like, I remember there's a scene where they're on the edge of a boat, aren't they? They're like, what's that? That was the most incomprehensible scene, yeah. I couldn't work out what hear, the fuck You can't really hear anything they're saying. No. And there's what also a scene... That? When, that he, when, never... when he woke up? No, he's on no, a boat. When they're on the they're boat. Those, they're all on the boat. They're like those hydrofoil boats, the ones that like glide on the water. Yeah. Oh, right, yes, yeah. And they're talking and they're having a conversation about important shit. But there's so much noise going around it that you can't really hear what they're actually saying. Yeah. And also, there's a bit I didn't really notice it when I watched the film, and it didn't annoy me. And But when I came out of the cinema, someone pointed it out to me. It's at the end of the film, where did the army come from? The army they're fighting against, where did they come from? They just come out of nowhere. There's no the hint of an army. Fighting. There's nothing... They, yeah, go to a, they go to a different country. And they're almost blowing up people that aren't even in buildings sometimes. They go to Russia. Yeah, and they're going. They've got the red, blue, and the blue team and the red team, haven't they? Yeah, but who and are they fighting fight against? This army. But like, where does this army come from, and who are this army? And like, is yeah. the army actually even there half the time? Because sometimes they're shooting at buildings, and there's, there doesn't seem to be anyone in there, and you're not really seeing another army around them. It, I didn't notice it in the film. I was completely, I was completely brushed over, it and I kind of accepted they were. But someone's pointed out to me afterwards, and I'm thinking in my head. Yeah, hang on, they weren't actually shooting at anyone. There was an army there, but there wasn't an army there. See, that, that, last, that last final act was where it lost me. 
when yeah. it was when it was the like the second act when they were in the car and he was I don't want to ruin it too much for everyone, but the second act where they're trying to get something in a suitcase. That whole act with the two parts, I really, really enjoyed it. I was going with it so much. I was at a nine. And then it just it just yeah, it lost me that last bit. I didn't I didn't really know what the whole mission or what the point of it was. And yeah. Yeah. But I did enjoy it to an extent, so that's why I get to the eight. The surprising okay. thing about this, listeners, is that um, uh, the controversy around Tenet was that it was released into cinemas in the midst of this fucking pandemic, at a point where cinemas were either going to have to close or, or plow on. And regardless of Tenet being released, they were being told by the governments to open. So Tenet was released, right? And it was like a fucking barometer check to see if people would go out and, mm. and and see see movies. People did, but not as much as Nolan would have got. But the the thing about Tenet is, if this was the movie that was going to drive people back to cinemas and fucking save cinema, it should have been awesome. a better fucking movie. Because maybe this an Avengers film, what, maybe maybe that would have got more money. But film. but the the trouble is, Christopher Nolan. I'm sorry for the first time have I realised that this guy has an ego which is not justifiable enough to come out with films like this you need to be more humble with the great films that you've made but interstellar should have been a little clue into the way that he was slipping which is slightly pretentious filmmaking and this Mm -hmm. i'm sorry was just some fucking professor at a chalkboard doing an equation why the fuck do i want to work that out why do i I care about i agree with that yeah just because someone says this professor's really renowned this professor does great maths equations well i'm not interested in that doesn't mean you're going to enjoy it. No, mm. and I didn't. For me, it never like rose Dunkirk above an a, eight. A balance, almost like Dunkirk, plays on that type, that time element enough to make it engaging yeah. and add another. Well, level see, there you go. It. That's it fine. Take away engaging from it. it. Tenet had no characters that you identify. Not just because they're no. not because they're horrible, because they're mm. nothing. They're fucking too deep. Build the characters enough. It is. It is for me one of his worst films and a lazy, dull, boring film. And lots of people will give it extra rope because it's Christopher Nolan. And if it wasn't Does it fucking make your Nolan, honorable it mentions or your top ten? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Shall I just go to my number twelve then? Yes. <laughs> yep. Okay, my number twelve is the trial of the Chicago Seven. Okay. I, I, yeah. I, I was actually when I watched this, I was like, this is a nine. But then I was like, I thought about it and I was like, no, it's probably just a really high eight. It's the kind of film, even without watching, that you know is you watch it and you go, oh, that was really good. Then the next day you're like, oh, yeah, it was okay. Yes, it is very well made, incredibly engaging. And I mean, Sacha Baron Cohen's so good in it. Everyone plays plays really great in this. Yeah, but Eddie Redmayne, even Eddie Redmayne does all right. He doesn't really say much, but Sacha Baron Cohen is the MVP in this film. And it's, I, I had a great time of it. And it's, I, I so like it's MVA. I like his, what's MVA? Most Valuable Actor. Well, he's, he's still a player in the film. Yeah. Or person, you can say. Yeah, true. <laughs> but um, I, I like watching a little snapshot of history that I didn't know about. So. It looks too dull to me. Well, watch it and you'll find I out. I always thought it was a TV series for some weird reason. That's because you think it's that other one. The other Netflix show. I, the, know, I think it's called The Trial of Something as well. I don't know. The Trial of Generic Netflix Films. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the film that just misses out then, Paul? The film that just misses out on the top ten? Yeah, Invisible Man. 
Oh, yeah. okay. We had a, me and Adam had a nice chat about his film. Yes. Ben wasn't there for that podcast, but we had a great time. And you can go listen to that episode. Yeah, it, it didn't make the top ten because I wasn't on the podcast. That's it. Do you know what this film? I I gave it a nine in my podcast in the podcast, and it's been slipping down my lists ever since then. Unfortunately. Oh shit! Is it still a nine? Mm. Uh, on, my, on my letterbox it isn't uh, I've rated it an 8 oh, now shit. Ooh, I rewatched got, it since you got I a think, point mate you can deduct a point yeah I know that's why I'm thinking maybe it, it might be that it might be something else I'm play tactically Adam play tactically <laughs> <laughs> and that's it that's my honourable mentions of 2020 oh lovely should I go on then yes sir yes these are all 8s by the way uh, Very ranging from a very low 8 to a, a very high 8 um, my first one is a documentary. It's called LA Originals. And it's about a photographer and a tattoo artist who are growing up in LA when it's all kind of... The scene of LA is booming. Well, the rap scene of LA is booming, let's say. Like, you've got NWA coming on the scene, Snoop Dogg. All of these type of people, and they capture everything. So he, his, they're, they're best friends, and he runs a tattoo shop. And this guy's a photographer... And he's basically hanging out in this tattoo shop, taking pictures of all these famous people coming in. And it's kind of got that barbershop feel of it. People would just come in, hang out there. Like he had, his shop's just not a tattoo shop. It's got like, it's just like a, almost a club almost as well. And it's just people hanging out there, just stories, people passing through. And he talks about how the scene has changed, how they've influenced it all. And it's quite an interesting documentary. Mm. Mm. Um, number nine is in a music film. This film is called Letters to You. It's Lovely. a Bruce Springsteen performing his new album. A Bruce one. Bruce you should say his name right. <laughs> what did I say? Bruce Springform. Is yeah. that what you said? Oh. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. He's in his he's in his barn in his house, and he's got the whole of the E Street band there. He's performing his new album in the snow, and it's very lovely. It's got Silvio about. in it, has it? Yes, yeah, of course he's in there. He's part of the member of the band. Of course, he's one of, of his course. key men. Did he have his bandana on? Uh, he did have his bandana on. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> Um, number eight is it's going to be in, mm, eighteen. Sorry, I've gone one to ten on this, but that's what's confusing me. Number eighteen is the first of a series of films that's going to make a lot of appearances in my top twenty, and that's a small act series. But at number eight, it's Red, White, and Blue. Eighteen. Wee, sorry. the first small act appearance. Yes, there you go. And at number seventeen, I'm going to go straight into it. It's Education, so it's another small act appearance close mm. to each other there. Now, um, see, education didn't is is out of the five small axes. I thought they were all good, but for me, it was it was the the weakest, just because it was kind of like, well, this this situation happened at, in schools at this time, but there was no mm-hmm. real interesting story on the back of it. I feel like education for me was it's a story you hear about, but it doesn't really. It's the first time I've seen it in that way. The only other time I've really had information on it is if you read Akala's natives he goes to quite detail yeah yeah about totally yeah that stuff and he brings you stats and he brings you all of this up mm. um that's the only other time i've really heard about this kind of subject so yeah. it was quite interesting for me on that front and that's what i think it kind of lasts for me but red white and blue for example never handed you hear a lot about and yeah i liked the concept of red white and blue having a black officer Seeing that mm-hmm. seeing it from a black officer's point of view at a time when the Met in particular was con- was being charged with yeah. incredible racism. Yeah, I don't feel like you see that a lot. I feel like you see it a lot in American films, 
not I don't think you see like a lot of British films. No, you don't. Yeah, of course you don't. That's why I feel yeah, like it was quite original. It's, yeah. This is why the series is so good because it's always the size of it's a side of Britain that nobody's ever really made a film about. Do you think the small yeah. axe films will take off overseas? Like, do you think they'll be well respected and, and understood in in places like mm. America and whatnot? Well, I, re- I know it's got quite well. Amazon, it's all Amazon make it in America, isn't it? Amazon have kind of put their name on it in America. Yeah, you've got it over here. So I'd imagine knowing that Amazon are doing it, it will probably get quite a lot of publicity. True. Is it is it already released that, out in America? I think it comes out. If it might be coming out very soon in America. Mm. That'd be interesting to see. Um, yeah. And number 16, it's Tenant. 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 David Good. Tenant. Yes. That's so number 16. That shit deserves to be in outside of the top 10 in honourable mentions at best because <laughs> of his pathetic <laughs> offering. In a year where cinema was so depleted. Oh, he's still going on. He's still going in on. In a year when cinema was so depleted... Tenet, the new Christopher Nolan film, can't even crack the top fucking ten of film buses. Pathetic, yes. mate. Fuck that off and never make a film again, you piece of shit. Oh, that's not that harsh. I hate him. I want some originality, you absolute moron. That he is, was quite, original, I mean, he is quite original. <laughs> he can piss off and suck my dick while he's at it. <laughs> okay, let's move on to happier times. At number 15... It's the Beastie Boys story. I don't know if any of you have seen this yet. Your music content, Boys. mate. Fucking hell. You've <laughs> I been do consuming love the music. musical shit this year. Wow. He I loves do love it. the music. Uh, There's nothing um, wrong with, with it. it. Yes. It's a Beastie Boys story. It's the two of them who were left, unfortunately. Well, the other one died, didn't he? Um, I never cared yeah. too much for their songs, I have to admit. See, this is the thing. I did and I didn't. Like, they're good, fun songs. You listen to them and you talk about it. And it's just... It's quite fun to watch them because they... They they were just teenage lads who made they kind of started the whole spoof songs. They made it and they became big out of it and they were like, What the hell? And they were just they always continue to be these idiots mm. making films and being just enjoying that life and they were just getting said they were like they're just like twenty year olds just getting paid to make music and just party and fuck shit up and that's what people I wanted, don't feel it? like they musically like helped push the industry along in any way like i can't imagine many no, people they... haven't been inspired by the beastie boys you know what i mean i feel like they probably did and they didn't people probably took it kind of probably was one of those ones where people then really think if they can make it i can make it gold you looking chain yeah. <laughs> i hate i, I hate comedy that is a uk music. reference right there it is <laughs> comedy music man Ugh. at number 14 is a film I think this might be our best list I'm not sure and it's actually the third Apple TV film on my list actually in my honourable mentions they've done very well this year mm. um, it's On The Rocks mm. I don't even know what this is okay it's, it's, it's on my list but it's not as yeah. high up as it is on yours let's talk okay. about it so this is Bill Murray and uh, is it Rashida Jones oh yeah. Jones' film. daughter right um, yes and he plays he's a dad who's just a bit of a bit of a dick really isn't he he's a, yeah. he's a bit of a womanizer he's very rich and he's kind of just very nonchalant about life and she believes her husband is cheating on her but she can't quite prove it so him and her they go and they follow her husband and they try and work out what's happening if he's yeah exactly and that concept kind of works yeah. doesn't it it's bill murray as well so he can kind of carry a film it's one of the better that. things i've seen him in in a long fucking yeah. time bill murray and I was I was doubtful because Sophia Coppola. I don't really know too much of her directorial work. Like I haven't even seen Lost in Translation yet. 
but this was okay. strong. I enjoyed it. Mm. I thought it was, it was very strong, good. Yeah. Very, very good. At number 13 is the film I've mentioned that's been slipping and slipping. It's Invisible Man. There Invisible it is. Invisible Man. Invisible Boy. Bitch is slipping off go the watch, scoreboard. Go listen to the podcast. Yep. At number 12 and number 11, actually, saying that, there's two films that were in my top 10 nearly all year until today. And mm. um, I updated my list and they both slipped out. And that is 1917. Oof. Oh, yes. Uh, I don't know if anyone's probably got that higher than me. I've got it in my list. I've got it exactly where you've got it. Paul, is it in okay. your top 10? It's in my top 10. All right, we'll okay, wait until we'll we'll about it then. And number 11 is Lover's Rock, which is another entry in the small act series. Paul, have you got Lover's Rock higher than 11? No, it's slipped out. Okay, let's talk about it then. Lover's Rock, again, in the small act series. It's a party film. That's all you can say. It's about a house party happening, people having a good time. And there is a beautiful sequence, and I'm sure Ben will reenact it for us right now. <laughs> yeah, you got a prayer, mate. Oh my god, I've never seen something He's so high pitched. All the time, all our listeners' it. glasses will shatter and splinter into the air. Oh, okay. yes, that's all I do. It's one hell yes. of a party film. It's true. Just watch it. That's all I'm saying. I don't want to say too much more about that film, actually. No right. right. But like what Ben said, just get a beer and sit down and enjoy the party. Immerse yourself That is, in that the is party. literally what you've got to do in that film. It is. Mm. Okay, right. over to you then, Ben. Well, you made my list easier because I can just sprint through some things. So in uh, spot 20, small acts, red, white and blue. Don't need to say okay. anything more than that. It's it's. Uh, there's only three small acts films that made my top 20 of the year. And this was the, this was the third. Uh, number 19 on the rocks. I agree with everything you said. Um, number 18 Paul I think this might be in your top 10 so we can talk about it then number 18 is True History of the Kelly Gang it's not in my top 10 no oh shall I talk I about it now I didn't like it. I didn't really I thought it was fine oh okay alright so True History I thought of the... it was fine as well True History of the Kelly Gang uh, was one of the last press screeners I saw before the world shut down again um, I really like the style of it it follows Ned Kelly his rise from a kid to criminal outlaw I, I liked the environment that he was in it felt like a very Australian film it felt very Australian I liked the appearances of Russell Crowe and Charlie Harnham throughout his life and the guy was his name Nicholas Holt yeah, yeah. And when Nicholas Holt rocked up, I really, really liked it. I thought George McKay was better in this than he was in 1917, but 1917 was a better yeah. film. I just appreciate uh, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. can give I more performance that. in this film. I've... Yeah. We'll talk about 1917 in a bit, I guess. I like the style of it. Anyway, that's that. Number 17, this is a film I saw at the London Film Festival, so I won't linger on it too much, but it was called Bad Tales. It's a Spanish film, and it's about... Uh, it follows the story of three or four kids entering puberty and their fucked up families and what becomes of their little neighbourhood because the parents are so disconnected from the kids. It has quite a fucking brilliant and shocking ending, which goes to show that parents fuck their kids up, as we all know. Mm. So I would check that out. Now, this is a hard recommendation to you, Paul, but not to okay. you, Adam, because I don't think you will like it. It is St. Maud. The, the oh, yes. British, I really want to watch it. Yes, yes. Yeah. British horror film that sort of took the critical circuits by storm a few months ago. Um, it is What's about... It number 16? So number 16 on my list, and it's about a, a woman, a nurse, a carer, who has lost her previous job for reasons you don't know. She takes on caring for a cancer patient in her well-to-do mansion on the seafront somewhere, and uh, the, the nurse, the carer, is super religious, 
but it's very gritty, realistic British film that deals with some really supernatural elements. It is wonderful, mm-hmm. very dark. Uh, didn't quite break the 9 out of 10 barrier for me, but I recommend it highly to you, Paul. Adam, I don't think you'll like it. Okay. Yeah. There's this and another film that I've, I'm pretty sure you got on the list I really want to see. All right, so uh, in number 15, my th- the third of three dementia-based films that are on my list. Ooh. Number 15 is Supernova, which is Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci as a gay oh, couple yeah. who go on a road trip dealing with the fact that Stanley Tucci has just been diagnosed, diagnosed with early-onset di- dementia. Fucking hell, help if I could speak. Having had a relative, uh, my granddad, who um, suffered with dementia for the last few years of his life, this cut very close to the bone but because it was very it was a younger uh, couple who were dealing with it i thought that was an interesting spin on it rather than dealing with just the elderly so mm. the uh there's a lot of emotional heartfelt moments in it and the performances are very very strong so i loved it uh at number 14 is lovers rock small axe yes grab a beer crack it open listen to silly games immerse yourself in the west <laughs> indian north london party of our lifetime you're still not going to sing it are you i'm not and number 13. Okay, let's keep moving on, Ben. <laughs> that was Adam singing. It wasn't me. Number 13, I wish, I would love for this to have been in my top 10 because when I watched it, I was blown away. I'm still fucking blown away. It just can't break the top 10 for me for a few reasons. But number 13 is a film called Bloody Nose Empty Pockets. And I've got oh, to say, yeah. considering all the films that made it into my top 10, if I was actually going to recommend people seek out a film from 2020, it would be this one. Bloody Nose Empty Pockets is set in Las Vegas over the course of 24 hours from dusk till dawn in a bar that's open 24 hours, but is closing, is being forced to close. And it follows everyone who enters that bar from morning until night and I had the absolute fucking pleasure of talking to the lead actor from it, Michael Martin, who plays uh, a drunk at this bar, a homeless guy who spends all his time there and he just floats from person to person. And the beauty of this film is halfway through, I was like, is this a fucking documentary or a fictional piece? Because it's also believable. And then the beautiful thing is it's both. It's a created situation. They basically told all these people that they found these real people and put them in the bar situation over 24 hours and said just interact with everyone in there and we're going to film it and we're going to keep playing music and we're going to keep feeding you so just keep getting as drunk as you want because we're going to film everything and somehow they have cobbled together a beautiful like patchwork story of of all these individuals it's really awesome uh, Michael Martin is incredible in it. I did an interview with him a few months ago, which you guys can check out on our YouTube channel. It's a fascinating fucking film. I can't wait to own it. I re- highly recommend you check it out. Number 12 is 1917. Is this the highest it is? It isn't. It's in my top 10. Okay. And in number 11, which only just got pushed out of my top 10 over the weekend, is Uncut Gems. Wait. Is it high up on your lists? It's high up on my list. Okay. We've done a podcast on this. But as we've well, done a podcast so. on it anyway. Yes, we have. <laughs> okay, so shall we move on to our top ten films released in twenty twenty? Yes, please. Or twenty nineteen. That kind of bridge over into twenty twenty. Sometimes of depending. Sometimes, on sometimes they come releases. out at the end of twenty nineteen. Yes, but they're released in twenty twenty. Yes. yes, and for clarity, we are doing this based on UK release dates. Yes. So it's what was yes, released indeed. in the UK in twenty twenty. 
Indeed. So it'll be interesting to hear, considering this was a, a depleted year for cinema releases. What made mm. the lofty positions? Indeed. So how are we going to work this? We're going to do all do our tens, all do our nines, all do our eights, and so on. Yes. So shall I start at my number ten? My number, number 10, ten is the lighthouse. Bro, same here. Is it? Yeah. Ooh. But I it feel like I, I feel by like the skin on its teeth. Ben has it higher up, surely. No, mate. I actually put it in my last year's. Uh, Oh, 19. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, you saw it at the film course. festival, didn't you? Yes, so it it oh. ended up in all of our top tens, basically. Look at that. Well, the lighthouse, yeah. That was a, yeah. a very weird very, and wonderful journey. Weird and wonderful watch, yes. That was a fun I really want to see it again. I'm, I'm really interested to see it again. Yeah. It's always one of those films again that once you've got your head around it and you know exactly what you're in store for, you can kind of then notice other parts of the film rather than trying mm. to work out what type of film this actually is. It is a nice film to sit back and just enjoy again because now you've experienced it once. You can just kind of relax. Yeah. As we say, I love to relax into a film and that's what sometimes elevates ratings. Yeah, it's true. It certainly is an immersive fucking film. You're there. You are on that island with them. Yeah. Those noises, Mm. man. The noise that horn. Oh, that fucking lighthouse horn. That blare is wonderful. That's all very very, salty. I think it was one of the last films I saw before lockdown. I think it was in that period. I remember sitting in the picture house and people were very confused that it wouldn't go. It wasn't 16 by 9, it was like 4 by 3 instead. Yeah, that's true. It is 4 by 3 all the way through. That's yeah. true. I think it's just come on streaming somewhere. Is it now TV? I'm not sure, but I know Dan bought it on Blu ray, so I'll probably rewatch it soon. Yeah, I've got it. It is on, yeah, it's on now TV. Okay. Just if anyone wants to watch it, it's on now TV. It's a great little watch. Check it out. I'll call it a little watch. William Defoe's very. Um, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Dafoe is a wonderful man. The, li- the lines in that, it's almost like Shakespearean. He's almost having, I always yeah. feel like Willem Dafoe's having this little comeback. He's such he is, isn't he? Films. And you're like, again, When has he not good. been having a comeback? He's always, he's, he's on the pinnacle, mate. He's great. Yeah, but there was a he's weird... He's been seen a lot in, lately though, right? Yeah, you know, maybe in the mid end of last decade, he kind of almost disappeared, but he's now popping up doing these weird indie films. He's kind of... Give him respect to films that might not have big actors. In them. Do you know that what Willem sense. Dafoe is? Willem Dafoe is what Nicolas Cage wishes he could be. Nicolas Cage, <laughs> Nicolas Cage tries really hard to be weird and strange, but every time you watch him, you're like, doing weird stop trying to be weird and strange. It just ain't working. You're just a weird and strange man to start off with. Yes. Willem, Daf- Willem Dafoe just naturally immerses himself into these roles, and you're like, fucking hell, you're unsettling, man. It just feels like he really loves film. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, good. I'm glad. So Lighthouse made it into all of our top tens last year and this year. Wonderful. Yes. Beautiful stuff. Props to the boys. Over to you, Ben. Oh, yeah, because you're done Lighthouse. Well, Adam, I might be uh, saying nothing here because I think this is probably higher up in your list. But my number 10 is David Byrne's American Utopia. <sighs> okay. Oh, yes. Yes, it's a, yes, it's higher up. In my all list. right. We'll wait till Adam speaks. Beautiful. Okay, my number nine. This uh, it wouldn't be much interest to you, but this is Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. So this is basically the. Is that on your list, DC- Adam? Just missed out on the DC animated universe. It, um, this was basically the last film in the run of films they did, and it's basically it's like its own 
its own Avengers kind of film. And it's the stakes are high and people die and it's great. Great film. Okay. That's all I have okay. to say because no one, no one cares apart from me. Yeah. I care. I care to hear yeah, about it. If you care, we care. Yeah. Aww, to an extent. To an extent. Okay. <laughs> Number nine on my list is a film we did a podcast on and I imagine because Paul hasn't said it yet, it's going to be high on his list, and that is Uncut Gems. Oh, yes. Okay. So are we holding yeah. off till Paul? Is is it higher on yeah. your list, well, Paul? Obviously, well, yeah. We've, we've had done the podcast, podcast there anyway. So. Oh, true. <laughs> we won't yeah, go yeah, too yeah, much true. detail, will we? Okay. My number nine is the new arrival that pushed Uncut Gems out of my top ten. Okay. It's the second film uh, based around dementia, and it is a documentary that can be found on Netflix called Dick Johnson is Dead. Oh, I yes. keep seeing this pop up, and I'm always see interested this. in it. I really want to um, see it. It's real yeah. fascinating because a uh, a documentary maker discovers that her father has Alzheimer's, the same disease that her mother d- died of, and uh, she decides, along with him, that she wants to chronicle the journey, but not in like a sort of morbid. This is a documentary yeah. about Alzheimer's thing. More of a. It seems like a happy film, and then you read the description of it. It kind of is. Poster looks it, it's, it's a celebration of his life by accepting the fact that he's about to die. So what she does is she creates a number of situations in which her father dies, and she films her father dying in loads of situations like falling out of windows, getting an, an, a nail stabbed into his neck, <laughs> having a heart attack, and it's wonderful because she films with her real father in documentary settings. So you're watching the documentary and then all of a sudden her dad will just die and you realise they've brought the stunt people in. And it's really fucking disarming and emotional because it really connects you to, to what she's going through. At the same time, while they're making this documentary, his Alzheimer's starts getting worse and the line begins oh, to wow. blur between what what he's accepting and willing to do for camera and what he thinks is actually happening. Like there's one scene where he gets impaled in the neck with a with a nail but in the middle of the scene, he sees all this blood all over him and he thinks he's actually bleeding to death. And oh she's God, like, I'm not man. sure if I, if we can continue making this documentary. But anyway, it, it's, it's a great celebration of life. It's an acknowledgement of how fucking hard it is to go through um, uh, watching a loved one slip away to that fucking evil disease of, of dementia mm. and Alzheimer's. I highly recommend it for both of you. I think you'll both really I enjoy really it. Want, I really want to see that. Really it's a good it. one. It's a good one. Okay, so it's number eight, and my number eight is a Disney Plus film. Ooh. It better not Alexander be that. Hamilton. That's my number eight as well. Way! <laughs> That's interesting because it got great it, time. it goes up on my list. Oh, we have to wait till Alex till, oh, uh, till okay. Adam then. Okay. We'll wait. Wow. Go on, Adam. What's your what's your number eight? My eight is Palm Springs. Okay. I don't know if you've okay. heard of this film. Yes. This is the Groundhog Day with the guy from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yes, so Andy it is. Sandberg. It is at its core, effectively a remake of Groundhog Day, but again, it doesn't. It's not trying to be Groundhog Day. It's got its own ideas and it's got its own fun. And I know you like Andy Samberg, don't you, Ben? Yeah. So you probably enjoy him in this. Um, but yes, he's he's um, describe it just kind of a short way. Yes, he's he's in Groundhog Day from the beginning. You watch the film, and I don't want to spoil it actually, but yeah. But the concept they is the day bold. keeps looping, is it? The day keeps looping, but they do their own thing with it. It's got its own way and its own fun fun and games of it. Wow, wow, we were. Wow, wow, we were. Yeah, I agree. It's a 
just a fun watch of a film. It's funny. It's got heartfelt moments in it. It's, yeah, it's great. I recommend watching it. It's on Netflix, yeah. Uh, no, it's not on Netflix. No. Oh no! It's what was it? What is it on? Because it, I keep seeing it pop up in places. Is it Prime? I'm, I'm not sure. It. I can't remember where we watched it, but Dan had it, so probably naughty actually. Dan had it. Translation: You found a fucking stream. I didn't find no stream. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't find no stream. Um, fucking Ghostbusters. Out yes. <laughs> the thing is about Andy Samberg is he strikes me as someone that I shouldn't like, yet I do like him. That's why it's always surprising me when you do like him. He seems like what? someone that Paul would Pop like. Watch Popstar and then you will not like him. I've seen Popstar. I do still like Popstar's him. Popstar's okay. <laughs> Popstar's is okay. Popstar's, yeah. It's very aware of what it is. He's not trying oh, to... That's like it? saying disaster movies aware of what it is. Yeah, sometimes they are. Popstar's is <laughs> just Armageddon fine. was. He's too good in Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's he's just wonderful in Brooklyn Nine Nine. They I, are, I so. like him. He's good in Lo- in Lonely Island, so I appreciate. Yeah, if you like the Lonely Island songs, they're funny. Yes, yes, they're, they're shit. very funny. I don't like they're comedy f- music. It's okay when it's in a three-way. <laughs> anyway, my number eight is Hamilton, so I'm not speaking again. Paul, your number seven. Okay, my number seven. This is a film I watched just the other day. It was. Um, very enjoyable one. It's Jojo Rabbit, but I think this might be high up in Adam's list. It is higher up in my list. Yes, yeah, so we'll talk about it then. Well, Paul's not getting a chance to speak about it. It is because <laughs> Adam's got them all higher. <laughs> I, did, I did this on purpose. All right, Adam, number seven. Number seven is Hamilton. Okay. I'm going to try and beat around oh, the bush. Here we go. Come out straight away. Yeah, it's Hamilton. It didn't make it much higher up the list, but it made it higher up the list. So what did uh, you give like Hamilton? Hamilton? It's a nine. Yeah, these are the nine. beginning of my nines now. So the other f- eight, eight, nine, and ten were all eights, and this is now my nines. You were very unsure what to give this a rating as because you felt like yeah, it I wasn't was... a film. Yes, I was very confused by this film. It's like it's almost cheating, and that's why I almost feel like my music. But why? There's so many of these music films up here because that's like saying a documentary is cheating. But you go to a theater, you're going to have a good time. Regard you're ninety nine percent of the time, you are going to have a good time at the theater. Just because the atmosphere it brings. So to then translate that into a film, you know the film is going to be good from the beginning. Yeah, but it still has to work. It still has to work. It has to work, but it's still... They still created the script. Yes, but the script is the Broadway film. They didn't create it for a film. They created it for Broadway. Just because they filmed it doesn't mean it's not not an experience. It's it's one of these films that is kind of like... Yes. Anyway. I don't know. Did you like to be in the room where it happened? Yeah. (laughs) So... Yeah, I wanted to be in the room where it happened, but more importantly, I was willing to wait for it. We just wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Wait for it is the better (laughs) song, um, but the room where it happens is great as well. But the star of that fucking show is Odell, man. Odell, and I'll tell you this much, this ain't the last time that he appears on my top ten list. Not Odell. What's his name? Leslie Odom Jr. Leslie Odom Jr. Yeah. I would would say my favourite in that is uh what's his name david diggs yeah he's my favorite in hamilton of course he is and you know why because he's flamboyant and over the top just like yeah, jim carrey that's me any any character that in is a our film character who's look over the top wacky that's you i'm flamboyant over the top that's me how do you relate it to um your man <laughs> because he's quiet and introspective and thinks he's above everyone else. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it works. Who's your favourite character, Adam? I'd just I'd be Lin Manuel then. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, you would boring, actually. Mate. Yeah, yeah. He's, cheating on your wife, boring, filthy peasant. Boring, cheating on his wife. And wrote everything, star it not, all, choreographed it, wrote songs. Yeah, so uh, that's the interesting thing about Lin, isn't it? That he wrote all those lyrics, he created that fucking thing, but he just can't sing, unfortunately. No. So he, he comes across as very weak. Yeah, yeah. And w- I hate when he tries to be gangster in it because it's like, you're so not. I know, it doesn't that, really work. That at first, that did not work for me at first, but by the time the film goes on, you kind of accept it a bit more. Yeah. The other one is that uh, the party scene where everything goes in reverse and then uh, y- your woman starts singing that I fucking that. song. That is, my, that is my favourite part. Yeah, it's strong. I love it. The stage design production and all that was great. I, I did not stop listening to those songs for like weeks afterwards. My, my Spotify year in review is fucking cluttered with Hamilton songs, man. It's like, here's your most played album, most played artist, all of that shit. <laughs> you had that at a 10, though, didn't you? And you brought it down. I brought it down. I was carried away. I was carried away. Mm. And yeah. I fully I fully acknowledge that the scores that I've given this year, I've changed during the year because there is an instinctive response sometimes. Sometimes yeah. it holds, but sometimes it's like, nah, that yeah. ain't true. Especially in the time of COVID times when everything's a bit dull and you're looking for that excitement. It's like, wow. That's, that's true. Look at that. Yes, that's true. Well, that's good. Hamilton on all of our lists. Wow. Lovely. What's your number seven? My number seven is Blow the Man Down, which I think Paul already mentioned. Yes, I mentioned that. That was in my honourable mentions. So Blow the Man Down, I guess the best thing I can say about it to put it into context for you is imagine the lighthouse, but two young girls and much lighter because it's a sea shanty of a kind of like mythical Mm. fairy tale to be told and i loved the intrigue of it and i loved uh the female centric storyline and performances and i thought it had a really strong empowering ending as well i thought it was very very clever it didn't it didn't necessarily do anything particularly new with the narrative which i know is what paul you you said to me at the time after you watched yeah. it but what, what i liked was the different perspective and because of the nature of it being about these two sisters as opposed to two brothers it, like it didn't feel like it was just a gender swap story. It felt like this story could only really exist if it was a female cost. Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of mm-hmm. didn't really get any exposure at all. And I think that's that's kind of criminal. I liked it very, very much. And it had the girl from uh, Brody's daughter from Homeland in it, which was a surprise to me because I ain't seen her in shit since then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you know that Timothy Chalamet was her boyfriend in in Homeland for seasons upon seasons before he made it big? I didn't really? even realise this till the other day. Yeah. Really? Timothy Chalamet's in like eight episodes of Homeland as her boyfriend. Oh, odd. No, I never knew that. Anyway, blow the man down. Very strong. All I remember about that film fun. is the very, very, very last scene. That last scene is very good for me. I enjoyed it's it. Blow the, the man, man down. Even the last scene, the very last shot even. Yeah. The, it's the, like, the, bam, the, you the, almost think the film's over and they just kind of hit yes. you that other little... And that's why um, I, I liked the sentiment of that final scene. Like, without spoiling mm. anything, all of those... those women that we've encountered throughout the storyline outside their houses, seeing these two sisters and being like, okay, we got you. We got you. We understand. We're in solidarity with you here. I like, I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. That was my number seven. Number seven. My number six. This has been mentioned and it's 1917. Ooh. Okay. Has Adam got it higher? I don't think anyone's got it higher, have they? No. Oh, okay. All right, go. No. This is number six. Okay, so um, cinematography of this film is great. I can, underst- I can understand the, f- the failing is in its... I know this is what Adam thinks. The failing in it is in its... Did you think it's the failing in its um, characters? Like they're not very engaging? Yeah, it was almost a bit like we would kind of describe about Tenant. It's like 
it's too technical based in some ways and the characters just flow with the story in my opinion, and you, you think kind there's of, no stakes as well that's what you there's say no, well obviously the stakes are removed as soon as the well, spoilers here as soon as his friend dies because you're like he has to make it to the end now or else we have no film but then, but then I feel like that you could say that about any film because if there's someone, if there's a main yeah, character, yeah. But this is a film; it's a war film. You've got to, you've got to believe these people are on the edge of their lives like, all the time. And sometimes, but didn't oh, I felt I felt like it was erratic and the yes. cinematography was amazing. But the thing is, but it doesn't. It almost feels like as soon as you're watching the film, there's only one pathway. It's like you are walking on that one pathway. Sometimes when you watch a film, you could have the main pathway, but then you could only see like oh, there's a side turning up there. The film could go down there. It could go down here. But the whole film, it always just kind of felt like he was almost pushed along a corridor, and that was it. And he That's, was yeah, like, but I I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It feels almost like a computer game where you're like, this is the way you're going, yeah, and just bit. follow the path. But I thought that was what really worked in its favour. Yeah, though, man, hundred percent. I like. It was like an immersive personal. War I'm not story. saying it's a bad film at all, but I feel that's where it kind of lost its edge on me. Like that little, yeah. The thing mm-hmm. is, after his friend dies, I thought the stakes were still there because it was like, well, even if he gets there, is he going to get there in time to pass on that message before yeah. they go over? Yeah. You know? But even still, it's not even about is he going to survive? Is he going to get there? I was just like, oh my god, look at the shit he's going through, and it's it's and non-stop. Also, this film was advertised extremely heavily and the best part of the film was in the trailers and you saw it repeatedly everywhere. And that is the bit where he runs across the line at the end. I like think it's the best there. part. Uh, but it means it's the most impressive part. It's like you're in the cinema, you're going to see this film, you want to see I, that. I fucking, for me... But you see it a lot. The whole moment then when they get there, when they go over, when they go over the top at the beginning of the film and they start having to walk that uncharted mm. path, that was and it was so immersive yeah. those trenches have never felt so real never felt so fucking yeah. real it was I was a nighttime bit that was brilliant for me yeah that, that's what I was saying the bit where he crosses the bridge and everyone just starts shooting him and he's just on enemy territory and, he's, and he has to go into the house and then everyone's shooting oh, him and he's running wait. through that's great the scene that didn't work the big scene that I didn't like was when he encountered that woman oh when oh, he's oh, yeah, in baby. the basement yeah it kind of just that was it contrived. slumps a bit it does slump a bit yeah I didn't care for that. That's what. That's he has why the milk. Got held he already back, has the milk for her. And I didn't like the singing when he turns up at the camp and that and that guy's singing. I didn't like it. Yeah, but that happened though, probably didn't it? It's it, it's because it's so it's so erratic that those small slow moments kind of feels like oh now we stop now. You're right because that's what you're thriving on. You're thriving on the thrill of the chase. And yeah. the, you need to get there. Stop. Don't stop. Just keep going. What's nice is when you think that he didn't get... A, the film begins with him opening his eyes under a tree and they never close again until he fucking gets to a tree. He doesn't mm, sleep mm, until he, doesn't, he does gets to that tree. Mm, yeah. Well, he gets knocked unconscious for a bit. That's true. Unconscious. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yep. And actually, that's the other thing, isn't it? We forgot about uh, the fact that it was billed as like pretty much like one, un- one, shot. one shot, which obviously yeah. it wasn't, but it did look good the way they yes, did it. Yes, it did. That's what it kept you with well it. Done. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, I thought it was special. I think the only other war film I've seen that's better than it is Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah, really? Saving Private so Ryan. I thought Dunkirk yeah. was better. I still haven't seen it. You ever seen uh... Dunkirk? I'm boycotting Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> for crimes. Watch Dunkirk, my boy. Go on, number six, Adam. Number six for me is a war film. Paul's mentioned it already. It is Jojo Rabbit. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't want to talk too much of this film because. 
I really, I, I don't know. If, I, to be fair, I actually don't even know if I want Ben to watch it. I don't think you I want to watch it. You don't want to ruin the magic. Because he's, <laughs> because he's already not on board with it before he started. And I'm like, you just leave it alone then. Tell That's me, tell me, tell me a sentence what the film's about. Heart and love. It's no, about but... a little boy who's an Aryan Nazi who wants to be a, he wants to be a Nazi. He's, he's part a Nazi of the Hitler training youth. camp, but he's all a bit shit at being a Nazi. He has a he has an imaginary friend who's Hitler, but he's not the real Hitler. He's kind of like a his own imagination of Hitler. And what if he a kid, like. if a kid, if a ten year old kid imagined Hitler and they spoke about the things that ten year old kids talk about, mm-hmm. and yes, and he finds and a his, Jew in his in his wall. His mum is yeah hiding Jews in her loft and he's talking to this girl and obviously this kid's a Nazi and she talks to him about the life and she realises the art of the world and it takes the brainwashing away from him my boy it's got a lot of heart and it's Tyker as well and it's brilliant mm. yeah I like Tyker I was with this I was on an 8 for this until the like literally the, the last scene I was like okay this is a 9 because it's he, because he dances the on the girl's doorstep is that why, yeah? Because he's, no, he's there clicking, you, ben, he's ben, clicking ben, his ben, fingers up on the girl's doorstep, yeah? You can't describe this scene without actually watching the film. It wouldn't make sense. I could tell you yeah, what happened. it would make sense. But you. you can't watch the film and it I'm won't. Not, I'm not making any judgments. I'm saying, is that why? Because he was clicking is, his fingers is, on the doorstep, That is a bad yeah? thing that you've, you've Googled. And it's not that it's not I haven't Googled doorstep that. Doorstep no, I haven't Googled that. Do you want to know what? It's in the fucking trailer all over the place and it's clear as day that that's the ending. It's a doorstep, but it's not the girl's doorstep. Yeah, it's true. That's the wrong doorstep. Well, I don't give a fuck. You watch it, my boy. If you maybe a Christmas over Christmas, watch. Do you it know what's interesting? Oh, I'm not even going to say it. Never mind. Obviously, not. Yeah, you shut up there. I've had enough of you with this film. <laughs> there's there's a reason why I don't want to touch this with a bit of a barge pole, and it's because I believe that we are at a point right, and this would be our most controversial point of this episode. Go on. We're at a point where stories of human suffering and terrible things that have happened right are broader than hollywood has told us they are to this stage of course they are so i would rather see i've seen stories of suffering during the war i'm aware of what happened during the holocaust i understand that's bad of course and i've seen that and i've identified with those stories but i would like to see some stories of the real fucking suffering is that that is now taking taking place in the world. Yeah, but that doesn't sell, so they're not going to make it. That's the end of the day. That's what's happening. Exactly, exactly. But I don't go to see films just because they sell. If you watch this film, Ben, and it doesn't win you round in the slightest way, I'm I a Nazi. Very surprised. Yes. Okay. You're a Nazi sympathizer. Yes, that'll be the only way. That'll be the only reason. It's on Sky Movies at the moment. What number was that, Paul? That was number six. Six for Adam. Oh, that was you, Adam? Yeah. All right. Okay, go on, Ben. It's your number six. My number six, but I won't be talking because one of you two will, is Mangrove. Okay. Okay. So one of you will talk about Mangrove. We'll talk about that after. Okay, Okay. my number five. This is an episode we've done. It's Uncut Gems. Oh, okay. Is this the highest, then? Yes. Okay. How do you it feel about Uncut Gems now, considering it was almost a year since we watched it? It was one of the first films we covered in 2020 before the world went I've, to shit. Have you rewatched it since? No. Yeah, I'm a lot fonder of it. I've watched it since. You're, you're fonder so of it? I rewatched it and I liked yes. it again. It holds up just as well the second time around. Yeah, haven't, haven't and that's, rewatched it. And that it. end scene is even 
and get it kind of elevated because you know what's coming now. Yeah, I see. When in that episode, we actually spoke about it not holding up the second time around because you won't have that yeah. kind of feeling the of stakes. what's going to happen in the stakes. Yes. Yeah, but I think it still works. It still does work. I remember having that conversation. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Mm. I very much enjoyed it. But we've ha- we spoke a lot about this film, so you can check out the podcast, Uncut Gems. It's a yes. banger. What's annoying, though, is just as you would expect, Adam Sandler does Uncut Gems and then he comes out with fucking Hubie Halloween eight Well, it's what later. he said, didn't he? He said, if you don't give me an Oscar nomination for this film, I'm going to release one of the worst films ever. That little son of a bitch was always going to make Hubie. I would not give anyone an Oscar if they said that. No. I'll be like, fuck off. Never make another film again, then. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible child. Okay, number five for me is... Oh, I feel like this is going to come from Ben's list a bit higher. We did a podcast on it. We had a very special guest on this podcast of this one. And it's One Night in Miami. Oh, it's on my list. It's higher up. We'll get to it. We'll talk about it. It's not out. It's out Boxing Day? Oh, yeah. It's Boxing Day, Something I think. Like yeah, yeah. Yes. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my number five is... And this can be viewed on Amazon Prime. You have to purchase it. But it's available. It's Possessor. It's directed... Yes, this is the other film. You, have you got it on your list? Yeah, this is the other one I wanted to watch. So I thought it was going oh, to be yeah. on the list. Yeah. So, uh, no spoilers, obviously. David Cronenberg's son, Brandon Cronenberg, takes some of the best bits from his dad's work with like body, body horror and uh, what the human body can go through and turns it into some fucking neon, psychotic horror thriller. It's, it's brilliant. It's immersive. It leaves you fucking on edge. And it basically goes to show, you know, if, if someone was in control of your body... Or if you were in control of someone else's body, where do you stop and where does that person begin and vice versa? Like, mm-hmm. how do you keep a hold of yourself? It's nightmarish. It's very, very good. It kind of reminds me of all of Cronenberg's films. It reminds me of A History of Violence, if you've ever seen that, with yes. with Ed yes. Harris. Strangely, yes. it's like that, rather than any of Cronenberg's more sci-fi work. But I highly recommend it. It's It's... It's stuck in my head because it is uh, a bit of a mind fuck and a bit of a mind bender. It's something that you would want to rewatch totally. Mm. One watch is not enough. Adam would like it. I'm sounding very interested. Yeah, Adam Adam would probably like this one. Yeah, because it's not. It's not. um, It's not horror. I wouldn't say it's like. It's like sci-fi. Okay. Like the fly. Yeah, it's it's unsettling stuff, man. It's like a sci-fi version of Drive mixed with like body horror. Yeah, mixed with a fly. It's good. It's very, very good. Uh, highly recommend. Nine out of ten. Definitely want to watch okay. that. My number four. This is another podcast episode we've done. <laughs> um, oh. This is my baby, Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey. You said that so sheepishly. No, I yeah, said Birds of Prey be because, of... because it's not about being sheep. What are you talking about? You like that film. I know, but you said it sheepishly. Boy, no, I said Birds of Prey with there. a smile on my face. I said it's oh. my baby. Birds of Prey. You went quiet. Yeah, you went very quiet. Like, oh, I'm sorry to be mentioning this. I'm so sorry. Well, I'm not sorry about mentioning this. You I'm are. happy. It came through in your voice. You hate it. It's not featured in mine or Adam's top 20 of the year, mate. It's a bold 9 out of 10. Bollocks. You... It's a great film. Margot Robbie's amazing in it. And it's fucking a hell of a lot of fun. Do you know, is it fashionable to say Margot Robbie's amazing in everything nowadays? People just huh? like to say that Margot Robbie's amazing in everything. She's not amazing in everything. She's not amazing in this. She's annoying half the time. Yeah, but she's amazing at being Harlequin, and Harlequin is annoying, so... 
Oh, well, that's that's all right then. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> she does the job. We've got a podcast on this. Yeah, yes. you can check out the podcast. Just before we go back into we, these We details. have a little argument about DC and Harlequin and everything surrounding that. These guys are, are Marvel lovers, so... I'm not. I'm, like I'm not. I'm not a Marvel lover at all. <laughs> if I had to pick a side, I'd be DC. Oh, you like DC? Of course. Oh, thanks. Cool. Let's move on then. Of course. You'll you'll lose. A <laughs> I just supporter. wanted to end that on a positive note. Yes. <laughs> okay. Number four for me is a film Ben mentioned. I don't know if this can come up on Paul's list any higher, but it's Mangrove. It is. It's, it's goes up higher on my list. Okay. okay. So we'll leave it then. So my number four. I believe was on Paul and Adam's list last year, but I only saw it at the beginning of this year, and it is Parasite. Yes, boy. Parasite, for the longest time, was holding that number one spot, and I was sure nothing was going to shake it off. But a few things came along that tickled my fancy. Everyone knows what Parasite's about. They know the deal. Um, We spoke about it last year at some detail, didn't we? Exactly. It's, uh, It's held up well, and since it was on your list last year, it won the fucking best Oscar uh, for best film. I watched that back in like October or September last year now it's crazy that's right incredible. you got a screen you, did you go to a press screening of it yeah yeah it was in some hotel in off Oxford Street noise noise yeah noise noise so big props to Parasite nothing more needs to be said on that that one everyone knows how good that film is yes is it number three we're is on number three? three we're in to oh, the film the masters top, top threes. threes wow well my number three you have to go into blind because it's Baccarat. Oh, Baccarat blind. Baccarat blind. blind. I'm surprised this doesn't actually go in any of your lists. I'm sorry. I'm I'm very Do you upset. know what? It was released in... Tw- I'm looking for my list. It was released in 2019. So I think that's why it didn't go on my list. It's 2020, mate, for us. The UK released 2020. Yeah, but Look it was... That. It would have gone on your list. Where would you put it if, if it was in your list? It would be in my honourable mentions. It would probably go, let's say, probably 13th, maybe, actually saying that, but above Invisible Man and below 1917. That's good. I'll, I'll have that. So this is... For anyone who Are you sure know, it wasn't... Okay, I'm not going to argue. Yes, it's 2020. over it. Okay. Um, for anyone who doesn't know what Baccarat is, you can check our episode out, but it's a little mind-bending Brazilian film, hyper-violence... Uh, we we spoke in depth about this film, so go check the episode out. But you probably want to watch it first because you will not understand what the hell's going on otherwise. Yeah. And Barack Obama loves it. He does. Yes, he does. He put it. He in does. His list. It was in his top film list, wasn't it? Yes. Isn't that enough to make you want to rip it out of your top ten? Uh, I'm my own person. Mm-hmm. It's if if I'm I... sure I'm sure Barack Obama loves Home Alone. I'm sure he's listening to this. I'm thinking up shit I didn't put that film on there do you want to know what Jamie tweeted an hour ago go on I'm going for, I'm going through some of the world cinema choices for film busters pod really enjoyed the burning episode and thought Adams was closer to my rating of the film but I'm about to go back around blind this evening to watch <laughs> back around Jamie's Jesus. watching back around as we speak well I'm perhaps. already happy for him because he agrees with me so that's a good start he didn't say anything about me I'm, I'm chopped liver I think yeah, he's going to give it. The, he's going to give it the ten. It's very possible. Do you think so? Well, yeah. good for Baccarat. I mean, it was an interesting watch. I enjoyed watching it. I did really enjoy it, and and I have, don't really have anything negative to say to it. It just didn't. It didn't make the top. The top twenty of the top twenty is very competitive this year. This it is indeed. Okay, number three on my list is a world cinema film. Actually, saying that, uh, Paul mentioned it. It made his honourable mentions. It's a portrait of a lady on fire. 
Oh, yes. See, tantalise me without it? spoiling it, because I really want to see this, but don't spoil it. So, this is a film, I thought, maybe looking at it in your reading descriptions, I wouldn't be too interested in, but my boy, it resonated, there was something about that story, and the connection between them, that I felt, and I put into many situations of your life, and like, it was all, it was just a beautiful, it's just a beautiful love story. Am I being judgmental to say that I'm surprised that you have, in your third spot, a period piece? Same. And like, that's what I'm saying. That's what I just said. Like, like if you read the description to me and you showed me it, I probably wouldn't be overly keen on the film. I'm not... Period pieces are probably one of my least favourite genres of cinema. Yeah. Um, there's many films I haven't watched because they're period pieces as well. Um, but, yeah, and that's why it's so surprising that it is there. And I think that's almost why it won me round a bit more. Because I'm like, this was good. And it's won me round. If it can overcome those consequences, then it's a good film. So again, without spoiling things, I guess is is the reason that it, it is so strong because it's dealing with a lesbian relationship at a time when such things were never spoken about. Mm, I think it's more the depth maybe, of emotion. Maybe yes, but it's more the way they... And for me, it's more the way they connected as a relationship. Yeah. It's okay. the love that they had and the way it's shown and the... Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't just watch it, I'd say. But yeah, it's okay. brilliant. It kind of hit me... It's like what you said about... Um, the face of love, it you kind of took it like the personal level that you connect with. Yeah, it either hits you or it doesn't. Yes, but there's a there's a, there's still a very good film underneath this film. I'd say, even mm. if you didn't connect, you'd still enjoy it on a another level. Very good. My number three. I know Paul has seen this film and and finds it hard to talk about or or rewatch. Is a film called Lynn and Lucy. It's a British film. And uh, actually, our, our friends over at Movie Drone, um, one of the guy's niece was the uh, was was one of the actresses in this film, which I didn't realise oh, until really? like a few weeks ago. Oh yes, wow! So um, Lynn and Lucy, without uh, going too detailed into it, is a, a film of childhood friends who've been friends since they were like school kids. They uh, live very opposite each other on a street. Um, they're both working class mothers, and something terrible happens to one of the mother's kids and uh it's about what happens in the very small community um on the back of that mm. i fucking loved it because of how gritty and bleak and depressing yeah. it was but how so harrowing how truthful it fucking felt it felt completely genuine and these actors for the most part particularly lynn and lucy i think both of them were were had never acted before and they and they aren't actresses they were just sort of like i think it was it's what they call street casting, where someone was just seen and they were like, you look mm. perfect for this role. Can you be in the film? And that made it even more genuine because they didn't have any of I think it's come on the... BBC iPlayer recently. Yeah, yeah, it, it probably is, mate. the other day. It probably is. So. It's, it's hard. It is, it's hard going. Um, it is. But I, but I fucking love it. I mean, Paul in particular will find it hard going as as, as a, a, a parent. Um, but uh, I think it, it's, it's really gruelling. It really puts uh, the ideas of friendships to the test, what you are and aren't willing to do for a friend, how far you would go to defend them, but also how how far you would cross your own moral line to ingratiate yourself with people who you think are rallying around to support you. It's very, very interesting, very mm-hmm. interesting uh, insight into the human psyche because this one woman who's who's left to deal with and make the decisions in the situation is kind of like she's in a rocky relationship she's in a rocky friendship and she's got rocky work colleagues 
And it's about her trying to anchor herself amidst all of that in this nightmare scenario. Very, very huge fan of it. Loved it very much. It was a 9 out of 10. Beautiful stuff. Lovely. Paul has it at number one this year. No, I had it in my honourable mentions. I already mentioned it. Oh, did you? Sorry, I, I forgot that. Yeah. yeah. What number was it? I have. I had it at number 19. Oh, very good. Mm. All right, then. Your number two. Okay, my number two. Very beautiful documentary. David Attenborough, A Life on Our, our Planet. I thought it was this planet. <laughs> a Life <laughs> yeah, on Our Planet. That's David exactly where I have that as well, Ben. Paul, yeah. sorry. Yeah, it's, it's, he's a lovely yeah. man, beautiful man. And... You know, it just it just shows you what humans have fucking done to this planet. And if it doesn't make you save the planet, then nothing will. Yeah, it's not only it's not only beautifully shot. It shows the horror of this Earth and what what we've What's created on this planet. What have we done? And what is to come? Yeah, and yeah, it's scary stuff. That's kind of why we haven't watched it. I wouldn't, I'm kind of cool with it, but Jenny doesn't like to watch things that linger too much on that sort of level of negativity. Because, mm. in a way, it's I get it. Because she says, though, well, "There's some beautiful." No, it's in it, it's more. It is more what you can do to change the planet. Not it's not like yeah, yeah, what you're doing. But when you're already doing stuff, right? When you're when you're already doing stuff and you're already progressive, to see that repeated, yeah, I kind of get where she's coming from because the reality is, in all of those Blue Planet and Planet Earth episodes, they're all they always end with a hint of that that this is dying mm. because of the choices that human makes. And there was that one episode where he focused on humanity, and it's like, okay, we know we're fucking the game up. We know this. No one, no one can be surprised by this. So. To watch that documentary from David Attenborough, I'm sure, again, he'll be spitting facts and, and it will all be very harrowing and, and, and truthful. But to me, kind of like your reaction, Paul, that to, to watch that documentary would be how you reacted to Lynn and Lucy. It's like, this is a fucking mm. terrible experience. I'm aware. Yeah, yeah. I'm aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that you have to experience it, though. This, should, it, like, this shit should be shown in schools. Yeah. People Before I watch this documentary, what's new in this? Like, what's new in this that people really don't know now about climate? People it's don't only for know, people, Ben. Yeah, but people it's only for the know. ignorant. It's only the it ignorant. Is. That's why they need certain schools. Okay, that's fine. Because parents don't teach their children this shit. The problem, the, the, the only problem I've got with all of this is, again, it's one of those documentaries that says, like, what can you do as an individual person? But I, I say most people, an individual person, they do what they can do to an extent. Yes. Like, no, they don't, mate. You recycle. You try and buy as nice stuff as you want. But the problem with most of it is is it's got to be... There's people that... not. I'm saying governments, so, but companies, man. It's like these people are the big polluters. Like, you look at... Yeah. And you're making these products. Like, make a Coke bottle recyclable. Like, come on, man. Coke make enough money, they can research to make a Coke bottle recyclable. That is where the thing has got to happen. That's where the change has got to be. Yes, you can buy from these companies that do this already... And but you can't. There's only a certain way you can go about your normal life without becoming, without it taking over your life as well. Like, the watching this since watching this vi- this documentary, well, I was really starting to become probably a bit vegetarian since this has kind of confirmed it. And I, you do your best to change your diet around all of this because you know the impacts it's going to have and the help it's going to have on life. But without changing your again your whole lifestyle to accommodate this it's very easy to do when you're at home and you're doing things but when you're suddenly on the go that's when stuff like that becomes harder and again that's where the buck we're not going to get into politics here but the buck needs to go higher up these companies are all like what can you do as an individual person but as an individual person you're probably not causing as much pollution as all of those guys at the top combined 
the thing is you need to make people angry right you need to make the people angry because just like i can't remember what sh- what the show's called but it's i think it's on bbc or itv or something but it's about um recycling or or basically so- something along those lines but anyway it says about tea bags right and how half yeah. of them have plastic in them yeah and it shows you the ones that don't and do you know as soon as that aired fucking everyone's changed their game Every well, tea PG bag tips have done it as now, isn't it? Yeah, and so so is Yorkshire tea just now because they weren't changing the, in, until that came out. Nothing that's what was I'm saying. That's change. where the buck needs to go, right? Stop telling us people down here it needs to go up there, like. But yes. they're not going to release the show to to them. <laughs> it needs to, yeah, it know, needs to be broad, it needs to be broadcasted. I know, but it's with the problem with governments and stuff are saying. But yeah, we'll, we're not going to get into that because that's a whole different non-film related discussion. Mm. Over to you, well, Brett. that's interesting. That's why it, that's why it raises so high on Paul's list because it mm. provokes the discussion. That's good. Yeah. It's at number two on my list as well. So, oh, is it? Oh, the right. Re- okay. The revolution will be televised. Yeah, <laughs> they live. The revolution will not be televised. <laughs> that's the truth. It's true. But this kind of shit. This is the shit that doesn't involve the color of your skin. So, it's stuff that people would like to do that makes mm. them feel good. True. This is the type of shit that shows you where actually all one person stop fucking around and hurting each other and this will get together. The great, just one final point on this, um, this, this topic of conversation, because I'm, I'm guessing we're kind of reading into the lines of the environment and climate change overall, but it is, generally speaking, as an area of focus, it is typically dominated by the middle and upper classes because the middle and upper classes are normally yeah. those who are in a position to do the most about it. Kind of going with what you're yeah, saying, exactly. Adam, working class... Joe's for the most part aren't really yeah. in a position to change if these their companies lives at easily. the top made it easy for everybody like yeah. if fucking Coca-Cola for example decided to make it then that would like the amount of people that drink Coke anyway or have Coca-Cola so again these people at the bottom don't actually have to do anything at the end of the day they have to put a, a bottle in a recycling bin instead of a, the normal bin that is it yes that is as simple as it sh- literally should be you shouldn't have to buy a special product to do it. You shouldn't have to buy a can of water to recycle it. No. I agree. That's it. All right. Well, uh, my number two stays in the sort of political spectrum and, and economic spectrum in a way. My number two is the film that was mentioned by Adam, One Night in Miami. Ooh, okay. Regina King's directorial debut. And very was- high up to a list, Ben. I fucking loved it, man. Like, so, as, as we said in the episode, it is uh, any film that is dialogue driven and could almost be set on a stage. I'm in, and the fact that this had such a such a great cast of characters. This is essentially Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, Jim Brown, and Muhammad Ali all meeting after one of Muhammad Ali's fights in a hotel room one night and setting the world to rights and discussing what it means to be black, what it means for yes. their for their people in their respective roles as entertainers, um, yes. what they're doing wrong, and how each of them thinks the other person isn't quite doing what they could for their people. And yet everyone has their own perception of what they have been doing. I fucking love the dynamic and the conversation and the fact that it came out this year, riding on the back of the Black Lives Matter movement and the prominence of that over the spring and the summer. It felt like perfect fucking timing for... for, You know, us as white guys, really, as I said in that podcast before, we were the worst people to be talking about the nuances and the detail of this. But nevertheless, Mm -hmm. it's out there. And I think it provokes an interesting conversation within the black community about what it means to be black, what it means to be a successful black person and what your obligations are or should be if there are any. And I thought it was fucking explored real well in this film with characters that were worth investing in and real life, true life characters. 
I thought it was wonderful. Yeah. Do you know one of my favourite things about this film was, is speaking about it on the podcast. That means you really didn't like the film, eh? Because I was not there. Yeah. But, the, pod- <laughs> but the, the discussion that we had after this film, it's a film you need to watch and discuss. That's true. Like me, me, you and Jenny sitting down and talking about it, like the ideas of it, then you can really evaluate what these people have said. That's it. It was an idea film. It's that's you're right. Yeah. It's an idea you need to, film. It's and almost you need to like watch it, it and now talk about this film. Everyone, yeah. that's how it, this film should almost be viewed. Yes, you're right. It's like listening to a le- not not in a boring way, but it's like listening to a really interesting lecture for two hours and then going outside yeah. and being like, oh, what did you mm. think about that? Do you agree with this? It's strong. You should check it out, Paul, when it comes on Boxing Day. I definitely want to. Yeah. If it comes on Boxing Day. And that was the second appearance from Leslie Odom Jr. Oh. He's real good as Sam mm. Cooke. He's got a beautiful voice in it. And one of the best scenes in a film is when he's performing as Sam Cooke and the electricity cuts out and he manages to get the whole crowd involved in his sing-along. So even in the back yeah. benches, they can hear him. Oh, special. Special, special shit. Okay. Is it time for number one? It's time for your number ones, boys. We've this all got number different number one. ones, I know it. This I is, think I've got it now. This is, this is the small wax film, Mangrove, for yes. me. It's yes. a 9 out of 10. What a powerful film. That is, like, beautiful. Like, the, the sense of community in the beginning to, like, the, the, the passion in the, in the courtrooms. It's all so fucking good. So it gets, you, gets you fucking film. angry, get, makes you fucking feel ashamed. It's fucking great. Great film, so well done. Cinematography is beautiful good. as well. Where was it placed on your two list? Six. It came number four for me. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I fucking loved it. Great, and that is the the, the best small wax film. I mean, that was the only one that appeared in my my top twenty. Yeah. <laughs> that's the yeah, this mm. only one I felt the the real passion for. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, fucking. If loved you don't it. watch it, you should watch it. It's yeah. all on. I I think all of them are on iPlay again. Yeah, for BBC iPlay another year. Yeah, we've got a year on them or something like that. So get along. And maybe, and maybe Amazon, <laughs> shortly for Americans. <laughs> it is the best of the small axes, without mm. without doubt. It was very 100%. important, and to see it was, uh, yeah, it was fucking educational to say the least. Yeah. The Definitely. only thing I must say uh, now that we've talked about all the small axe films, the biggest misstep that Steve McQueen made in each of them is, I think. He made the the white villains, the white bad guys, antagonists in each of them, too, too on the nose. Yeah, they were too like caricatures. Just two D, just two D. And maybe that's maybe that's because I don't know. It is a caricature, like you said, Ben. Maybe that is how they were though, and that's why it feels like a caricature because we're so used to that as the old racist white British guy. Almost. Mm. Yes, they are. And they, they, they say things that are too obviously racist rather than like how people would actually be racist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. then again, when these films are set, that might be exactly how it was in exactly. Well, nowadays. Yeah. People kind of beat around the bush a bit more about being racist. PC Pulley. PC Pulley. I'm not racist, but... Pulley. <laughs> what PC Pulley. You know one thing that I don't like from Mangrove? What? Is Letitia Wright as a person. She's done two things that personally I, I disagreed with. One, when she won all her awards uh, for whatever she won her awards for. I can't remember what it was. Was it Black Panther a couple of years ago? Okay. She got up on stage at every one of the award ceremonies and all she talked about was God, which was highly annoying. And then <laughs> recently yeah. she sh- started sharing 
anti-vax conspiracy oh, theories. Oh, anti-vax stuff, yeah. That's what she's doing at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. she's a good actress, but she's a dumbass. So, people are allowed to be two things. It can be. Anyway, should we move on to number one for me? Yeah, go on. Yes. This is one that Ben has mentioned. Mm. It is American Utopia. Oh, oh yeah. this is your number one. Fuck. It's wow. my number one. I watched this and... Um, I didn't know nothing about it. Ben's um, it was part of Ben's film festival link, wasn't it? Yeah, it was London Film Festival ticket. I I, I came home from work and I was, I think I got home from work at like nine o'clock and I immediately watched it and it was kind of exactly what I needed after thirteen hour day at work and in the middle of COVID and a lockdown and it's a party. It's a it's a party. You're having fun. You know the songs of Talking Heads and the songs of David Byrne as well, and he doesn't just. It's not just a part of you, obviously. He's got his stage and he wants to give you a message mm. as well. And it's, it's powerful is what it is, man. And I've since listened to talk about it. He was on Six Music recently and he was talking about it. And um, he was just describing like his band, for example, and how these people from all over the world have come together to make music for you. And every single night they're going up on stage and they're recreating this music in a band while dancing and performing. It's just, yeah, it's brilliant. It was good, wholesome stuff. It was positive fucking energy stuff. Yes. Like, watching that was like, oh, wow, there is some light in all this darkness. Yes. But it was done in a, in a, in a yeah. kind of clever way, eh? Where can you watch yeah. that? Oh, you can't watch it at the moment. It's, no. out on Am- it's coming to Amazon Prime soon. Okay. And Spike Lee directed it. And Spike Lee directed it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. So check it out. You two with the black filmmakers with your number one films. Mm. What, have you got a white guy? I've got a white woman. Oh. Yeah. We're all very progressive. So my number one film, I guess we're on that now, is Relic. Oh, yes. I I knew it was going to be this film, but I just couldn't (laughs) remember the title of it. I won't talk too much about it because I'd obviously like for both both of you guys to see it, but I'm going to say, I'm going to caveat this. The entire time that I've had this at my number one spot, subsequently, I've always questioned it being there because some of the films that I've watched, I've thought, are you better? Are you better? And I think that some of them are objectively better than Relic, but the reason that... An actual better filmmaker rather than an actor. Yeah, and I think as a a film, collectively, a whole piece, I think there are better films. However... Relic for me had to be my number one because of the emotional reaction that I had to it because Relic is on the face of it a horror story about a a grandmother her daughter and her granddaughter um having to to, to deal with the fact that the 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 grandmother is succumbing to a certain illness which is entwined with a supernatural presence within the house and it it kind of feels at first like a very well made supernatural horror film but it turns into something else entirely and deals with dementia like i said there are three dementia based films in my top 20 this is the this is the main one it deals with fucking dementia in a way i've never seen put on screen and it does it in such a horrific emotional questioning fucking way because there are so many snippets within it that feel like this is a horror trope, this is a horror trope, and then you stop and you're like, no, it's not. This is fucking reality. This happens. This happens to Mm -hmm. people. And the final act of the film, I know Katie uh, from from For Your Reference Pod, she she watched it, and I know she appreciated what it was doing, but I think she was saying in the final act it kind of lost it for her because she didn't 
she didn't really go with it. She didn't think it had earned it, its its ending. But for me, the ending made it a fucking ten out of ten because I was sat there for the last fifteen minutes of it, tears in my eyes, like properly crying at one point because, I, partly because of how it was dealing with dementia and losing yeah. losing a loved one, but also the fact that it was doing it through a f- the medium of horror it made me think fucking hell this is the power of film because this is not this is like explicitly not the situation that i went through with my grandfather but on a fucking underlying level it completely was and mm-hmm. it just reminded me that that's why i love film because whatever we are seeing in film whatever we first observe on film we can view it on that surface level and appreciate it and like it for that but underneath it there's always something else going on and if you can get to that shit that's going on underneath the surface boy that's the fucking good stuff and yeah. um there's no other film that i've seen all year that that hit me in the way that that did and some people may watch those final 10 minutes and not really connect to it but when i watched them i was like fuck this is everything this is fucking capturing everything so it is my number one film of the year and i can't wait to see that yes sounds fantastic Shout out to Natalie Erica James, my female director. Look at that. Wow. That is our 2020 wrap-up. That's our yes. 2020 wrap-up. we got one, one last little thing to do before we do our school things, though, is, is tell our performance of the year, right? Oh, oh yes. 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 Go ahead. Should I tell mine? Go ahead, Should I go straight out of mine? Yes, yes. Mine, yeah. mine is actually some a film that was just at the edge of my top ten list. And that is Willem Dafoe in the Lighthouse. Oh, wonderful! <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I can get he behind was that. Great, I he can was get great behind in that. that. So good, yes. standout performance. Good okay. stuff for great. Willem. Adam, um, this one here is for me. He's in two films on my top ten, and mm. uh, Ben very briefly mentioned him. It's Leslie Odom Jr. for the Sam Cooke role oh, in, wow. in Miami. Wow! 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 We were yes. He I didn't really that. know who to put before we started picking these lists, and I was going through it, and I just like I just looked at them. And I thought, "Yep, yeah, you're the one who stands out, most memorable role out of all of those in there." Beautiful, fantastic. But also, he's great stuff. in Hamilton, like you said. So he kind of gets a little and a great yeah. singer. He's a great singer to yes, boot. Exactly. It's when you told me he actually sung it, I was like, "Okay, now that's respect." He's got a big right. future ahead of him. Well, my standout performance of the year, I mentioned the film. It was in my honourable mentions, and I cannot praise the film, but this performance specifically enough. It is Michael Martin in Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets. Oh, wow. Like I said to you guys, when you Great if you show. get the chance to watch this fucking film, you are watching it and you're like, is this a documentary? Because the acting is so fucking good. Mm. And, 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 you know, he, he, he is acting. He's acting... He's acting his performance. He's like being himself, but he's acting it. He's pushing the edges of his personality out. Like imagine going into a bar, Paul, and being told, right, we need you to be you, but on camera. Mm. You need to perform as yourself. And this man did it, and he's fucking incredible. And since then, like, since I've, I've had the interview with him, he's such a fucking charming, lovely guy. I love following him on Twitter and seeing what he talks about and seeing how he is. This this guy only really broke onto the acting scene 10 years ago. He's an older guy. He's come to it very late in life and he's put out this fantastic performance. I've got huge respect for the way that he's working at the moment. And also, I'm going to push Madam D, which is his short film that he's done. I'm going to share that on my Twitter account because I think people should see that, that his performance in this, which is quite striking. I'm going to push that all over Twitter. 
I love this guy. I hope to see him in some some other stuff. He deserves the work. Beautiful. Great fucking shout, mate. Whoa. Well, look at that. Fantastic stuff. Shall we swiftly move on to our changing of ratings this year? Yes, I told yes. you this would be a long fucking episode, didn't I? It is. It's a very long are we all, episode. Are we, are we all still there? recording? We're almost are we there. still recording? I'm still recording, yeah. Right, so I'll go first. I've got quite a few changes to make because we've only just implemented the um, the rewards for winning the, the quiz. So I actually have six changes to make. Fucking hell. It's going to be all day. Up. It's, it won't. It won't. It won't take long. I'll just. I'll just rush through them. Yes. So my first change. I've got two changes to make in 2020. I've actually got two changes to make in every year for our podcast. So mm-hmm. the first change in 2020 is uncut gems. It's gone from an eight to a nine. Ooh. Okay. Fantastic. I'm on board with that. I'll let you have yeah. that. Uh, my second change of 2020. It's a little. It's a little soft change because because. Mm. I felt I might as well I might as well change it because I had the the score to change it and that's the gentleman from a five to a six. Oh, you've oh. upgraded, nice, nicely, nicely, <laughs> well nice done. I was hoping you put Jesus rolled from a one to a two. No, that's that stays the same. <laughs> My, I already had it as a two. Okay, two to a one then. <laughs> How sweet! The gentleman gets his props. We've come full circle this year, mate. That was a January film. I know, I know. It's taken you all this journey through COVID to, yes. to I watched make you appreciate films. I know, it's true. Yeah, Uncut Gems. I watched it again, I wasn't as harsh. No. Okay, we move swiftly on to 2019. You're going to like this one, Ben. Oh. This is Midsummer from an 8 to a 9. Oh, nice. Yes, of course. Yeah. Of course, of course. I, I love watching that film again, especially the director's cut. Look at that I enjoyed now. the director's cut. I know you said it felt like a bit of a It was fine, slog, it didn't need it. It didn't need it. Yeah. Um, and then the second change in 2019 is It Chapter 2 from a 6 to a 7. Interesting. Okay. You're giving it a lot of love. They're all going up. Yes, everything's going up this year. There's nothing going down. Wow. Um, my last two changes are in 2018, and that's Halloween 2018 from an 8 to a 9. I knew you were going to do that Ooh. because you, men- you mentioned you mentioned that in conversation before. Yeah. I fucking love rewatching that film. I loved it. I can't wait for the next one to come out. And my last change of 2020 is Hereditary from a 6 to a 7. That's the same director as Midsummer, isn't it? Yes. Now, what's interesting is four of those films that you've upgraded are horror films. Yeah, I'd like to say mm-hmm. that. Well, I don't know what kind of... Uh, how Why it's so interesting, but that's interesting. It is. <laughs> okay. So my film this year, I'm going to change. It's... It's because I've changed it in real life. It's going to be Invisible Man. I gave it a nine, but after time, it's going to be an eight, I'm afraid. Don't have to apologise. I know, I feel harsh. You join all of yeah. us. We all give it an eight now. Yeah, See, this the eight. is now where my morals are going to come into question. There's two films here. It's a toss-up. Mm-hmm. One film is going to be giving it a nine to a ten. Oh. oh my lord! Which would give this film three tens across the board, which has never oh shit before. Oh my god! I know what it is. Oh, yes. it's going to be the Irishman. Yes, is it? So I don't know, but the other film oh. I want to change is going to drop a film from a nine to an eight. And this film always crops up oh. on our lists, and we always I... joke about it being too high up these lists, and it annoys me how high up. Oh, when you look at the films around it, 
and I think I'm going to have to do it because there's other films that I agree with being above The Irishman, yeah. but I'm going to drop Infinity War from a 9 to an 8. Mate, I agree with you. I'm glad you did that. That's the better move I'm to make. I'm fine with that. Not just because of tactics, but it may, it keeps. But there's too many films it sits above that yeah, annoy yeah. me. That it's above those films, mate. Whereas there's films above the Irishman, which I accept to be above the Irishman. Uh, absolutely. So you know what? Your Infinity I'm, War I'm nine fine. was bad. Did you go nine to an eight? You'd say. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I I agree with that because I hate you guys complaining that it's so high when you're the ones who rated it so high. <laughs> Well, it's like, why is it so high? You I didn't gave rate it so. It's you two, mate. You're the ones with the nines and the tens for it. You gave it a nine as well, didn't you? No, no, no. I did not give it a nine. Infinity War got a six, mate. You gave it a fucking nine. You gave it an eight, <laughs> didn't you? That was erroneously on letterbox. You know that I would never give it that shit. I don't even know why that was the case until Paul pointed it out. I mean, it might even be a seven on my letterbox, but we're going nine to an eight. Very good. Okay. All right. Go on, Ben. So Take it I away. had four. So I'm going to tell you, I've moved two up and I've moved two down. I'm not sure of the years. I think they're... Uh... Well, anyway, fuck it. I'll just do it this way. So, It Chapter 2. Okay, 2019. Yes. I was too generous. It's not a nine. It's coming down. It's an eight. Mm. Okay. Okay. It's an eight. That's fair. It's definitely not that. I good. feel like it's a film that hasn't. I haven't agreed with as much as I thought I did when I watched it. Yeah, I kind of feel like it's not Even aged, the first so one, good. I feel like they're a bit... Forgettable, horrible. They kind of they were good for what they horror. were, but they're not exceptional. Yeah. They're not exceptional, so that's how they go. Um, they were almost too palatable. It's a bit like that whole Stranger Things horror. Oh yes. And to correct the scoreboards again, Avengers Endgame. <laughs> it is not a seven. It comes down to a six. So Infinity <laughs> War and Endgame both have a six now. And I will update my letterbox to reflect that. I don't know why they said eight and whatever they said. I'm glad you've taken it now so there's no more complaining. There we go. And that's legit. I wanted to do that. That is fair. Now, I'm upgrading two films from you two boys from this year. Your recommendations. I really hope it's one film in my head. I said this one before for Paul and I stand by it because out of all the ones I've seen this year, this one keeps niggling at me and I think, no, I was too harsh on it. I very I actually enjoyed it much more than I thought I did. So they live is going up from a seven to an eight. Oh, it's an eight wow, out of ten. What a cool. Oh yes, what a cool. It's not nice. with me too much. I rewatched it. I rewatched oh, did it. You? Yeah, but I mean, not long after that first watch, not recently, and and I remember mm. thinking, okay, no, it's it's more than that. It stayed with me. It's more. a fun. It's a fun film. And it's I appreciate good. it. Yeah, having seen some the more visuals. John Carpenter's after that, it works. It does work. It's an eight. Yeah. Yes. And Adam, Lovely. because. In a similar vein, this film kept me thinking way beyond our podcast on it, and that's always a good sign. Six is far too harsh a score for it. So Burning, Burning. is going up to a seven. Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. Oh, that doesn't need to happen. <laughs> it's a seven. Six was too harsh on it. It was. I thought you two were very harsh. And yeah. I, I stick with my, my score. I would never move that up from a six. By the end of that podcast, I'd almost convinced myself it was a seven. So That's good. there's some updated scores there, which could lovely. could change our overall leaderboard. That will definitely change the leaderboard. That's going to throw some shit about. Me. Listen, just just while we're here, though, just while we're here, Infi- you try I- Infinity War <laughs> has eight from Adam, ten from Paul, and six from me. That means twenty-four. So that means Infinity War goes down to an average of an eight. It drops out of our top twenty. Awesome. There you go. There you go. And Avengers Happy Endgame, 
Oh, Avengers Endgame wasn't even in it, so that's good. Perfect. Yes. That's all you wanted. What we needed to do was done. <laughs> Perfect. That was all special. That was our end of year spectacular. Beautiful shit. There's a, there's still one more thing to do. Oh. I've got to say what film we're going to be doing next. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Well, before we do that, right, everyone, in the new year, there's going to be a lot of changes. We won't tell there you is. about them all now, but we've got some very exciting shit to tell you about yes. in that first episode of the new Watch year. Watch out for our Twitter page. Yes. Keep your eyes peeled and your ears particularly peeled for that January episode. Yeah. Exciting. Changes are afoot. Changes are afoot. But yes, of course, this is exciting. What film is going to be our fucking first of 2021? Oh, Tantalise us with it. Okay, so I, I noticed that this year, 2020, I, I did a, a lot of middle-of-the-road stuff. I, li- I, like to, I like to make a bit of a like unexpected ratings from you guys. I don't want to pick something too high like Adam likes to do. I don't <laughs> like to pick something too low because then it's a shit. I was going for I was going for something in the middle, but I thought, you know what? Let me go for something that's definitive from me this time. Okay. It's about time, yeah. I yeah. pick something definitive. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Justice League. It's American Psycho. Oh, oh boy! I okay. watched that. Fucking rewatched hell. that the other day, and wait, I was thinking, wait, wait, we could discuss this. Wait, part two. American Psycho two. All American Girl. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Oh, oh boy, this is the Mila Kunis one. Yes. Oh lord. <laughs> when I said definitive, I meant definitively low. <laughs> I'm glad. You know what? In some ways, I'm glad that you said part two because even though American Psycho would have been wicked, you know yes. we're going to have shit to say for we, part two. We don't do low films enough, so I think it's time we threw some low ones out there. <laughs> I just bought the book on American Psycho. Just oh, it's a two. good read. Good read. We. The, the ending of the book, American Psycho, gives a totally different spin on the actual ending of the film. This is why I want it to does. read it, because of that reason, and that's what people say. Yeah, man. Yeah. Wow. America, how can we watch this, Paul? Uh, it's actually on streaming on Amazon Prime. Excellent. At the moment. Oh, boy. So, easy for everyone to go and watch. Excellent. Okay. Okay. Well, that will be, be sometime in the new year. <sighs> yes. Well. Sometime early Jan. 2021, we're kicking it off with American Psycho Part 2. <laughs> Hopefully wow. that hasn't got any inkling to do with what the rest of twenty one is going to be like. I know, fuck me. Surely I'm going to pick fucking low shit the whole year. <laughs> You're going to lowball us all the way through, man. I don't think it's going to be a good year. <laughs> wow. I almost forgot we're back to picking our own films. Out. I haven't really thought about that. I know. Shall I throw out our, slo- our, our slogans? Yeah, tell them. Shall whatever. I throw out our socials? Throw out whatever yeah. you want. Okay, so you no can get in touch this point. on Instagram and Twitter at FilmBustersPod. You can also go to our website, www.filmbusterspod.co.uk. That's where you can get all our Who's sniffing at the mic? And some reviews from our in-house critics. I'm really distracted by this thing that sounds like a dog sniffing on the microphone. I thought I honestly thought Memphis would come along. Fucking hell. Let's just you can also get to us... On our personal accounts, I'm at Film Busters Paul. I'm at Film Busters 2020. And I'm at Film Busters Ben. <laughs> what an end. What an end. Listen, there's a little doggy come into the room. He's sniffing. Should we all, pretend to, be, should we all pretend to be dogs? <laughs>
It's a horrible, stupid way to end the what, year, man. What a way to end, what what a way to end an episode. It's Buster's.